0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is our end of 2015 review, where we're talking about our top 10 films of the year. I'm Christopher Schnasey.
1: I'm Carson Patrick. And I'm Steven Miller. <laughs> I almost forgot who I was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we're taking a break from all of our film reviewing to talk to you about all the films that we loved from the past year. I'm sure you've listened to everyone else's <laughs> end-of-year recaps. Now, we've, we've made sure your plate was clear and you can listen to ours <laughs> unobtruded,
1: I don't know. Uh... Uh, so does this really count as taking a break from film review? I feel like we're just working overtime tonight. <laughs>
0: True, true, true. But I, I just—I I finish saying that every week we're doing this and then in this episode we're not doing the thing that I just said that we do. Mm-hmm. So I, th- this episode technically constitutes a break from film reviewing to review 10 films at once. Possibly 30 films at once. We don't know if there's any overlaps here.
1: Yeah, And I've got honorable mentions, so we're squeezing more in. I say f*** your honorable mentions. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Oh no. Start no this I, d- off I right. do
1: think we might need to impose like a time limit like six through ten each movie can only get like one minute of talk yeah (laughs) otherwise we're gonna be here all night
0: yeah yeah yeah. let's just try let's just try i mean i'm not gonna get out of timer mostly because i don't want to manage that (laughs) but let's just try to be uh as as as, you know succinct and, and clear and quick as we can and try to get uh you know, get get this out there for people because they've waited so long to hear our stuff. We don't want to make them wait during the episode.
1: <laughs> I know they can finally listen to the, all the other podcasts after they they held
2: out for us. I mean, really, this is the only one that matters. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. I'll
0: keep it keep it on one hundred. Yeah, well, I, I actually, I mean for our for our listeners, this is a pretty important episode because Carson has been not with us for most of these reviews. So, not saying that any of the reviews he missed will actually be on his list because they're probably all things we didn't review, but. People might want to know what Carson liked, since if they're new to the podcast, they don't really know what his tastes are. So
2: There are some things that were reviewed that Interesting. I was not a part of.
0: And I definitely know that we didn't review uh, Chipmunk's Road Chip or <laughs> Chip on the Hood or whatever the hell the movie's called. The, so. the road was chip.
1: there a new Metallica music video this year, too?
2: Oh, come on. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah, so th- those, those those are two things that we know might make his list that we didn't review. But
2: Well, I mean, the road chip was just such a fine piece of filmmaking. Can't overlook that. But no, yeah. ha- have you seen Metallica <laughs> through the never yet? Because it's still good. I, I, I haven't yet. Still oh, have not seen it. I think it's on Netflix. You should watch it.
0: Oh, it's... I'm still going to pirate it if I ever do watch it. Just <laughs> just, just to keep in the spirit of, of oh, what right, Metallica right. is.
2: Yeah, good good callback. (laughs) (laughs) This this episode brought to you by uh, Napster.
0: (laughs) Anyway, so so every time that we get together to do this um, review, I like to, as we start, quickly if we can, go around and kind of talk about what our list is exactly. Because though I refer to this as our top tens of 2015. Maybe it's not the top tens. Maybe it's like, like, personally for me, I'm just going to skip ahead so I can explain why I'm asking this question. For me, these are not the films that I think are necessarily the best that 2015 had to offer. These are the films that I liked the most. Maybe there's some overlap in films that I thought were fantastic and just, like, actually really, really good. But for me, the way I choose a list is not like,
1: oh, you guys should like these because they're amazing.
0: It's more like, hey, these are the things that spoke to me the most and that I had the most fun with or whatever.
1: So so how far up is Furious 7 on your list? <laughs> <laughs> Number one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you,
0: you may be surprised if that movie did not make my list.
2: Oh, yeah. Hey, man, I did that. I mean... I'd much rather watch Iron Man three than Twelve Years a Slave again. I mean, that's just that's just how I did it that year. I was just like, I can't think of a more a movie I enjoyed more. So why the f- not? Yeah,
0: no, and and that's a good way to do it. But I, I don't know, like for, for you know Carson's list might be super uh whatever like the best filmic thing was the stevens might be like what made him cry the most like that we, was exactly <laughs> what i was gonna
1: joke <laughs> my list was you asshole oh, anyways, no. yeah, so, i didn't make 500 days of summer my top movie of the
2: year no. <laughs> hey don't, don't
1: don't knock
2: it steven's cause call, steven's calling all the calling out all the previous choices oh hell yeah but anyways so, not so, taking so, any but no i did i did vote for ones that made me cry Okay. I actually did not vote for the filmic ones. I feel like there's very little of that because I feel like this year, um, most of the, the quote unquote filmic movies that everyone kind of jizzed over, I wasn't on board with. So <laughs> sorry.
0: <laughs> All right.
2: But it's and... true. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm sure Steven's going to have a couple, and I'm just going to have to sit here and be like, oh, yeah. Not for me.
0: Well, not no, for so, me. So, so, how did you make your list, Carson?
2: Well, one. You're going to be very upset because <laughs>
0: they're all random.
2: I put, <laughs> I put, I, since I was gone, and since no joke, I think that there were a lot of really, really solid movies this year. So I, for each slot, I paired movies. Oh, Jesus <laughs> so, Christ. But I will not go long because there really isn't much to say other than I liked it a lot. So,
0: <sighs> all right. And Steven.
1: Yeah, I so I, I kind of frantically made my list today. Like, time was running out in the office, and I was working on something, and then I was like, "Oh, fucking forty-five minutes! I'm gonna have to record this thing." So I took <laughs> all the movies I knew I wanted to mention. I kind of jumbled them together. um Last year, I did this thing where I had like named awards for number six through ten, and I did that again just as a cop out <laughs> to fit in more movies. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I tried I tried to veer away from the ones that were only, like, quote, amazing or quote, filmic. So I think I have, like, half and half. Like, some of them are the ones that Carson's going to be like, oh, Jesus, what a boring pick. <laughs> um, but I think some of them are, like, actually personal choices that will not make many top ten lists this year. Yeah. So I, I feel okay about it.
2: Well, I mean, I, I did that, too, because I, I just tried to account for any overlap. Because I just remember there was one year where it was just like... Uh, there was just a lot of the same it was like oh number one inception it was just like I don't know I to me it just <laughs> I, I like I was you know I, I was just like it just gets boring so I don't know but I'm not not saying that like any of the movies that I chose are are not worthy of being the best I think they are but I you know like some movies like The Hateful Eight which I really liked but I mean it's not on my top 10 but <laughs> I, I just think that
0: is, is that because it's a piece of
2: shit <laughs> no i just think that it like defies a list i don't know
0: i'm mm. just i'm just kidding Hey, eight's great no
2: i know i i know i'm just saying that there's that in another movie that might show up on someone else's list so i won't say but i i think they like they're just like their own unique thing so they sort of defy like a list i don't know that sounds stupid but whatever gotcha
0: cool well should we begin guys <laughs> this is
3: the
2: part yes. where you all say yes Sorry. <laughs> I was taking a drink of, uh, of my I, I, drink I never
1: have enough synonyms for saying yes I always wind up being like Let's do it
2: <laughs> There really isn't like You you can't say anything else Very good sir
0: Alright well Here we go This is our list of 10 films That we
1: all really enjoyed
2: <laughs> Well, well that just... was another reason why I, I said Can we have a top 10 Because there was a lot of good movies That's all yeah, yeah. And then I took it one step further cuz I'm an asshole, so. And
0: and when I get to my my number 10, which I will get to <laughs> two people from now, just remember that you made us have a top 10. <laughs> Carson. What? Remember that.
2: So you're saying you just picked a bad movie <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> Well, I don't know how to answer that yet. Okay. He'll just we'll Mad Max again and put it to number 10. <laughs>
2: I'm telling tell you, it's gonna be yeah. ten through five is gonna be all Star Wars. <laughs> I so I, I,
1: I divided I,
0: I divided up Mad Max Fury Road into ten equal parts <laughs> and I just ranked all the all You're like, the scenes.
2: Ten Basically, guitar guy. I, I, I,
0: <laughs> I divided it into ten chapters and I ranked the chapters in order of awesomeness. Mm. My number ten is the credit sequence. <laughs> No, um Carson start us off. What okay. is your number 10 film?
2: Uh number 10 is uh there were uh, I I for I think there is a dearth of uh good Christmas movies that have come out in the last couple years. And uh this year we got two really good ones. And uh <laughs> one of them is The Night Before and the other one is Krampus. And uh I both really enjoyed these movies because they kind of have uh Obviously similar themes, but uh no, they they, they they sort of bring back that uh that whimsical uh nature of like a home alone where uh the characters believed in Christmas. They legitimately believed in uh Santa Claus and the, the, the magic and the wonder, and um that's kinda what sets the plot in motion for Krampus. And uh that movie, the guy who did trick-or-treat directed Krampus, and if you've seen that uh, you have a pretty good barometer of what or how great Krampus is going to be because it's a lot of like throwback old puppets and practical horror effects and stuff, and it's pretty impressive because they did everything like on fifteen million dollars. So I really enjoyed that, and uh, obviously I don't know if you guys saw the night before, but it was really funny, and it was a reteaming of the guy, all the the three main components of 5050 and um yeah it was just really good like there is there's one scene aside from a bunch of really great scenes in the night before which includes an incredible supporting performance by uh, Michael Shannon um but there's just one scene that that Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character has where his character is the one who like fully believes in Christmas and like the magic of Christmas and he like comes across this uh these two like drunk Santas in an alley, and like he starts berating <laughs> them about uh, I'm already boring, steven he's like, I gotta Google this shit um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh he was like uh the, he comes across these two guys, they're drunk and dressed as Santa, and he's like, uh, uh, he like starts berating them about like if you wear the outfit Santa's outfit, that's like a badge of honor, and you're like dishonoring Santa and like I don't know it's like this this crazy thing that only joseph gordon levitt could pull off but like it was so like i believed that christmas was real and santa was real like i got i got <laughs> teary-eyed like it was like it's you gotta you gotta watch like he's sold me so hard and i think that's like the thing like in jonathan levine's movies is like there's always there's all this like you know kind of like bros hanging out and stuff and then there's like this underlying just like emotional punch that comes like every couple of scenes and you're like Oh yeah, this is this is really good. So, anyway,
0: there you go. Did you cry at the end right before Santa got surgery? <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> Spoilers. Whoa. <laughs> All
0: right. <laughs> anyway, so Steven. or did, did, I mean, I, I assume that you and I, Steven, did not see this film. No, I, these, I did not. These see These films. It. Oh, I thought you saw the night before. I, I was going to see the night before, and it was the night before something else. I didn't have time to see. Oh you know? no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I thought, of course, you'd make a date to see uh, your <coughs> BF
0: No, I genuinely wanted to see it It just didn't work out time-wise There's a bunch yeah. of stuff going on And it was just like, no, I'll probably see it later in the week And then I just never got around it to it, was yeah, seri- it-
1: I remember you telling me you were seeing it that weekend And like I could catch it if I wanted
2: to But you definitely were
0: Yeah, or maybe maybe it was one of those things Where, where you were like, I'm not going to be able to see it And I was like, alright, I'm not going either
2: <laughs> It was seriously like one of the most enjoyable movies like it's just such a watchable movie and a nice movie i don't know that's that's what you want for christmas
0: yeah well i'm i'm going to make time to see it uh once it is available if it's not already available
2: yes you should
0: all right so steven what is your number tens i'll say (laughs) since you guys don't know how to follow directions yep
1: so (laughs) no i i am picking i'm picking a winner for each i'm just throwing in other movie names too uh, so my number 10 could be called the Opposite of Carson's Choice Award, also known last year as the Take the Premise and Run Award. Uh, last year, I notoriously gave it to Force Majeure instead of the one I love, <laughs> which was Chris's favorite movie of the year. Mm. <laughs> um, and this was just an award for a movie that like took a very simple premise. It's usually like a very stripped down movie, not too many characters, uh, and just really runs with it and did something special. Uh, so, runners up this year were Queen of Earth, which I really liked and Chris did not like so much. <laughs> I, I think Carson dug that one. Um, Queen of Earth, I just have this feeling that if I watch it a second time, I'll think it's like super pretentious. Like, I feel like it was an experience to have one time, but maybe one I don't stand by totally. And 45 Years, which Carson made fun of. Uh, I did quite <laughs> like this movie. It was a very stripped down one, but like a nice chilly look at the twilight years of a relationship. Uh, but speaking of Twilight Years, uh, the one I'm choosing had a character from Twilight in it, and that is called The Clouds of Sils Maria, mm. uh, starring Juliet Binoche and uh, Kristen Stewart. And... <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. I just thought of something <laughs> funny. That's yeah, all. Um, anyway, they, they, okay, so, like, this is probably the most Steven choice on the list, because it is a kind of, like, artsy-fartsy movie where they talk about art and literature and movies and the meaning of being alive. Um, but it just... It it really had that feeling of, like, those before movies where there's just, like, perfect conversations between two really fleshed-out characters. Um, I mean, Juliette Binoche is great, as always, but Kristen Stewart kind of blew me away in this movie at how well she portrayed this kind of younger character who's challenging the, like, preconceived, super pretentious feelings of the older French actress. Um yeah, it's it just like it had a lot of moments that really made me laugh. The dialogue just felt very true. It was also just really well made, kind of like force majeure. It had these cool, like, big landscape scenes. This kind of bombarding soundtrack. Uh, I don't know. It was just a very interesting, unique movie, and I I really liked watching it.
2: Um, do Do you want Clouds of Sils Maria on DVD? Because I have a copy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I have a DVD player anymore, um, but I own it on iTunes now.
2: Oh, okay. No, because I, I, as a joke, well, not as a joke, but because um, I sent Chris a copy of Area 51 <laughs> for Christmas, because I was like, the only person who would enjoy this movie, I know who he is. And uh, 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 Sarah got a copy, because she gets all the, the movies that her boss doesn't want, so she <laughs> left with... <laughs> Area 51, Clouds of Sils Maria, and um, uh, Men, Women, and Children on Blu-ray. Uh. So they've been sitting in her car. I was like, I bet you Steven would like Clouds of Sils Maria. <laughs> like, I was like, just saying, and I was like, I should send that to him. Then I forgot, to you know, i You so I I'm really sorry. did...
1: I actually feel like Chris would like it too because Chris likes a good like conversation movie. Yeah, and I feel like this was a really good conversation movie.
0: And you can send it to me if you want, Carson, because <laughs> Stephen's already told me to watch this when we were sitting in an Uber together the other night. So, oh, okay. Um, it's I, on my I, list.
2: I didn't. I I didn't really care for Clouds of Souls Maria. I I thought Chris and Stewart was really good in it. I thought Julia Benoist was really good. Um, and I liked when uh, they were kind of having their back and forth together, but uh, I don't know. It just it was it was okay. I wasn't just I, I didn't hate it. I just I just thought it was kind of. I'm really looking forward to the the next one that guy is doing with Kristen Stewart. Uh, it's called Personal Shopper, and it like mm. it's a apparently a horror movie set in the fashion underworld. That sounds more up my alley. So. Who knows? Yeah,
1: I mean, apparently this guy—what is he? Olivier Osias or Alexander yeah, yeah, Asias, yeah. Like, apparently he's actually a pretty established big deal. I don't know anything he's done before, but
2: I—I I I quite s- like this movie. I've only seen Clouds of Sils Maria, and uh yeah, and I—I I did really like Queen of Earth, though. That—that's uh, a—I like Alex Ross Perry. Like, I like his style. I think it's—it's—it's it's, it's really cool. And uh, uh I did not like. See, I—I I envy steven because he likes these movies and i i was sitting watching 45 years yesterday in the theater just hating my life so much like i would have rather have watched the road chip again and that was a horrible movie (laughs) like I i just i don't know like i just these these really like just straightforward dramas and this like old you know old rich people bitching about stuff that they don't have any problems so they just invented problems and she's just like oh i'm jealous of something that happened and i'm just like oh get over it so i
1: think that movie for me was made by the final scene which was like did a pretty good job of turning my emotions um mm. uh, I should say all of these were actually airplane movies except for Queen of Earth, <laughs> <laughs> so like I do think when I'm on an airplane, I have headphones on, and I'm a little more attentive and I'm more like maybe appreciative of details that in a theater I wouldn't be caring about so much. Mm. I, I don't know, I think I put on a different hat in an airplane than I do in real life
2: i I just i these are movies that I just can't get behind. It's not like they're that they're not well made it's just that I Nah, I, I can't. This is not this is not for me, that's all.
0: Well, speaking of movies that Carson can't get behind <laughs> and aren't for him, Oh no. I have a number ten. <laughs> and like I said, this is definitely I would never argue with anybody that this is a greatly made oh, film.
2: Wait. I think I know what it is. <laughs> I think I know what it is. Uh, I predicted
0: it already. Uh, all right, well, well, why don't why don't you go ahead and guess it, Carson?
2: I think it's going to be Project Almanac.
0: No, it's not Project no, no. Almanac. Oh, okay. Similar time, but it, I think it
2: yeah, it does involve
0: time travel. <laughs> is it, is it time it, lapse? And it does start with a P.
1: And it also relates to the Before movies in a way. <laughs> this is predestination.
2: Oh, I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. Um, so this, oh, is the, man.
0: this is the film that uh, went straight to VOD in the United States, oh, as far as I can tell.
3: Very uh, much so.
0: Came out the first or the second week of January. It, of It came of out last the year. first
2: week of January. <laughs> it came well, out. The... It came out this same weekend last year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, anyways, this is a film that. I love simply for the, uh, the premise and the idea and what it's going for. And maybe it's a cheat because it's based off like a book or a short story or a novella or whatever the hell it's based
2: off. Something like that, yeah. It's
0: something that was like widely liked by the people who have actually heard of and read the thing. And I had not read it, but I watched the film. And even though the production value is not super great, <laughs>
2: even no. though
0: the acting – like maybe the acting's fine, but the context for which it's being acted makes the acting seem less – good than it may be um basically this is a bonkers ass movie but it is an amazing philosophical (laughs) time travel scenario that they've come up with for the story and that credit belongs like a million percent to the original writer of the original story but it's it's just if you are like me and you love time travel films and you love time travel films that do more than just start in a time travel scenario and then make whatever movie you want, but set in a world where a time machine exists. This film is purely about the mechanics of time travel and how that works. And, you know, it, this isn't like the super genius version, like Primer, but it's one idea of... uh. It, just say that it's interesting. I can't really say a lot without giving stuff away, but it, it's... It's a film that when I watched, I was so happy that I had actually seen it. I watched the trailer for it and I was like, this seems like the the, the type of trailer that I would send to Carson and he would laugh <laughs> me to death. And then I would watch it and he would refuse to watch it. But when I was done with that, I was like, I was so glad I gave this movie a chance because uh, it's awesome. And that's Predestination.
2: Uh, it is, I, uh, I'll tell you this, I would <laughs> rather watch a hundred Predestination's over uh Project Almanac. A Project Almanac any day. Because is it just it,
0: because of Imagine Dragons?
2: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, but uh I mean I I will admire I will give Predestination credit for being a hot load of free because it is it is <laughs> it is nuts. Like it's just like baffling. I like an hour of the movie is just Ethan Hawke talking to uh uh, easy, the... uh, he? <laughs> easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you, it's the, there's like a whole hour chunk in the movie where it's just like them explaining it in a bar, and you're just like, what? And there's there's a girl playing a guy, and she looks like Edward Furlong, and you're just like, holy shit! Like this is a crazy, this is a this is a bonkers. It is a bonkers movie, but I, I don't think it's necessarily. I don't know. Like I wouldn't know how to rate it because it's not. It's not good and it's not bad. It's just like whoa. <laughs> well,
0: I, don't, that, I don't even know. That, that's the best uh, endorsement I could ever imagine from Carson <laughs> for this film. I think it's available on iTunes. It's actually, it's probably on like it I might know, it might, it might yeah, be on Netflix or something. But
2: I, I remember laughing like a lot, like from the very beginning till it ended, because I just didn't know what I was watching.
0: It, it, it's like it's like a movie where I premise like, are you really into time travel? Okay, yeah, yeah, go see this movie. If, if you're not into time travel at all, there is no way this movie is gonna win you over. But I think that if you're a, a fan of time travel, you have to add this to the list of films that you've seen because um, it's an awesome it's, idea. It's
2: got a lot of supporters. Like it had a lot of, uh, it got actually a lot of like good critical reviews and stuff. But uh, it's oh man, it's crazy. <laughs>
0: So, Stephen, is this conversation enough to make you watch this film?
1: Kind of, but I don't like Carson bashing Project Almanac. <laughs> that movie, the longer I haven't seen it, the more I feel like an old man who's, like, charmed by the young kids who were cranking up the boombox. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about Lollapalooza.
0: So, but, but I'll maybe even, give it a even shot. By that I'll metric, metric, a shot. If, if you liked project almanac more than he is saying he did and he's saying he'd put he'd watch this a million times over that movie that should make you even more excited for it right but,
1: it, but is he including time travel in that like he'd just go back and watch it over and over again because that's kind of a loophole
2: <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that's, gonna be, that's getting are you dizzying. gonna groundhog day that bitch or are you I, gonna really <laughs> i will groundhog day the predestination so much more than Project Almanac. <laughs>
0: He's going to watch it over and over again until he starts to like it. But as soon as he starts to like it, it'll cause like <laughs> ripple effects and he will disappear. And he'll be like, what's happened? What's happened? What's happened? What's happened? And, he disappears.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I end up <laughs> for something weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, wait, right. You can bleep this out, but basically.
1: <laughs> no, 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 don't, don't, no okay. don't
0: give it away. Steven might watch it. All right. All right.
1: Yeah. Just go on to your number nine. Yeah, Carson, what is your
0: number Oh, oh, okay,
2: yeah. Uh, Well, I've got uh, a couple more uh, really good genre movies that uh, I enjoyed. And one of them was uh, the movie Cop Car with Kevin Bacon, um, (laughs) which uh, was a really cool, like, uh, throwback to just sort of, like, just sort of, like, grimy exploitation type of movies, uh, but done, like, very slickly. Like, I... I, I describe this movie as uh no country for old men with children uh because the main protagonists are children and they get uh they <laughs> good, get co- good good I, reasoning <laughs> yeah, good deduction. Um they get
1: <laughs> No Country for Little Boys. <laughs> <laughs> That's a completely different kind of movie that, and we don't talk that, that, about that kind of thing on the podcast.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> Only on the deep web. Um anyway uh yeah so they they steal kevin bacon's cop car and uh kevin bacon's a coked out cop who's really mad tries to get it back it's really (laughs) fun if you want to see the uh hopefully the new spider-man movie will be just as good because it's going to be the same director so do your homework before that one comes out and and then if it sucks you can just be like well there's no cop car
0: isn't isn't cop car like a 99 cent rental right now on itunes or something i could have sworn it? I, I don't know maybe maybe i'm thinking of something else but i thought i remember it being on sale for whatever reason at if, least recently
2: if it is that's the best 99 cents you'll spend this week
1: that's not the movie with ken Chong and kevin hart
2: <laughs> <laughs> no that's a ride along two that's cop car two i gotcha <laughs> Um, so yeah, Cop Car was really fun, and then there was another movie called, uh, The Final Girls, which was basically, uh, this year's Cabin in the Woods, um, cause I think it, it, it was a very clever send-up to the, uh, horror genre, uh, where Cabin in the Woods was, like, the Evil Dead, you know, obviously Cabin in the Woods sub-genre of horror. This was the, uh, like, Friday the 13th, uh, camp slasher uh, that was a that take on that genre, and uh, it's basically like if uh, Last Action Hero was a horror movie, because they all get sucked into this to this horror movie, and then like they gotta to fight to get out. And uh, it's really funny. It's really clever, and there's a lot of good people in it. Uh, Tysa Farmiga is the lead in it, and uh, Adam Devine from Pitch Perfect, and uh, Thomas Middleditch from Silicon Valley. There's just a lot like, a a a really loving uh, ode to that type of movie, so it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about it, and it's one that is on my list of things to check out. And I almost watched it, actually, uh, the other weekend, but I didn't get around to it.
2: Yeah, it's good.
1: So, Uh, I'm done. Any thoughts on those films, Steven? (laughs) Steven's like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, no, I'm I'm interested in seeing both of them. I heard. Are, are you still arranging the rest of your list? <laughs> He's a little bit, a little bit. Um, Yeah, I heard. I, I didn't hear anything about Copcar, actually. I heard a good, like a little bit of good stuff about the Final Girls. I was kind of hoping to check that out, but no, I'm interested, curious.
2: I mean, they're both really good examples of like low budget uh, horror because they they just really utilize it well. Um, yeah. Especially cop car. Like it, it looks like they they spent it like a it looks
0: like a cop car. <laughs> yeah,
2: it looks like a real cop car. I mean if I
0: didn't know better, I would say they used a practical cop car in that movie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, if they if they didn't, it would look pretty real. Um Kevin Bacon was actually Kevin Bacon. Uh no, it's just it looked like it it looked like it cost a lot more than it probably did, so
0: Cool. Well, uh if you're done figuring out what your number nine is, Steven, would you like to let us know what it is?
1: <laughs> I, I'm still debating, but I, I think I can commit to one. <laughs> okay, so number nine <laughs> is the the Whiplash Award, which Oh, I hope it's insurgent. <laughs> 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 this was <laughs> the award last year that I gave to like just the packed, energetic kind of frenetic movie that just kind of blew you away from beginning to end. Um and so last year I gave to Startup. This year, it almost became the Jack O'Connell Award because I came very close to giving it to 71, uh, which is a movie with Jack O'Connell in it about the Irish Troubles. A uh, Really cool movie. Uh, I also almost gave it to Tangerine, which I'm kind of wondering if Carson is going to mention this movie somewhere. <laughs> uh, uh, <'cause>...
2: Spoilers, no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> so Carson didn't go with the critical acclaim. Sorry, uh, sorry, Buzz. Tangerine. I mean, yeah, so that that was another movie that was, like, kind of like Spring Breakers. It was just a very frenetic movie that was abrasive, but over the course of the movie, I became pretty, like, won over to its whole style. Um,
2: oh, it was but, abrasive, for sure.
1: Was that the movie about the Fanta girl? <laughs> it, it's the movie about the... <laughs> oh. <laughs> about uh, two transgendered prostitutes in LA we're getting uh,
2: all the transphobic comments right now on iTunes they're rolling in <laughs> Oh yeah. my, my joke was no, tangerine I, I, is an orange no, I get it. I, get so it. No, I know I know I'm just saying <laughs> oh, even if anyway. you say like even if, cause like that's the, that's the shitty thing is that like I can't be like I didn't like tangerine and then they just assume that like well you don't like transgendered people it's like no that's because it just no that's not the reason why it's because it didn't look good and also, like, it just, what did it have to author, offer other than, like, nothing we've really seen before? I don't know.
1: No, I, I can buy it. it. It's the uniqueness that kind of blew me away, and what, what was interesting is the first 20 minutes of that movie, I hated it. Uh, like, yeah, I couldn't believe this movie got so much buzz. I couldn't believe, like, they were following these characters around, and it didn't look very good, and the acting was pretty lame. And then, like... Something just really picked up where I found myself laughing a lot. I was invested in the characters. The The car wash scene, I really loved in that movie. Uh, but anyway, none of these are the movies I actually picked for my Whiplash Award. Um, <laughs> the movie I picked is not a low-budget, unheard-of movie. It's the movie I almost didn't want to put in this list at all, and that's The Revenant by Inyaritu. Um mm. So I really... <laughs> I found myself making this list, doing this tug of war between like, do I champion the small, low budget movie or do I just embrace the big spectacle for what it is? Um, so I think Inyuritu is a bit pretentious. I think he overreaches a little with this movie and I think the script could probably be like written in three bullet points. Um, but I think it's an awesome clusterfuck It's just a spectacular, overreaching movie that really it immerses you all of the kind of the cinematography that could feel gimmicky that could feel like a holdover from Birdman just really pulls you into this movie. You feel like you're there in the snow, you're freezing (laughs) with Leo DiCaprio, you're getting attacked by a bear. Um, Like as much as I want to be the cool guy who didn't like the big spectacle movie, it, it's just like a pretty amazing piece of filmmaking and even if it's flawed, I think it easily deserves the number nine pick on my list.
2: Uh, Chris, did you did you see it in non, you know, dumb uh, settings?
0: Uh, uh, yeah, well, I, I actually watched it with Steven. Oh, okay. I sat next to him oh, okay, and we yes. held each other like, uh, oh, as, we, oh, oh, as we watched Leo go. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: So you're saying you loved it.
1: Yeah, that was the noise Chris made while he was sitting next he, to me. He was
2: jerking off the whole time. <laughs> it's so yeah, good, I mean, I, I've,
1: I've gone
0: my entire life since I saw the movie Titanic wanting a snuff film <laughs> starring Leonardo DiCaprio, and I finally have it. So, of course I love that movie. Whoa. Um, no, Harsh. I did not like The Revenant. <laughs> um, but it was and so good! Apparently, I'm going to have to justify why I didn't love The Revenant a little bit later in this episode, and that will make more sense when we get to that moment in time.
2: I will just say, I'm glad Steven mentioned 71, because that was uh, was an underrated movie. I I thought it was phenomenal. I... Up until maybe five
1: minutes ago, that was my number nine choice. I like just swapped it out for the Revenant.
2: I mean, they it was it was a lot like start up, not only because Jack O'Connell is in it and there's a lot of thick Irish accents that you're just like, What what are they saying? But and, uh
0: and and, and, yeah. and uh, coincidentally, seventy one exact is exactly how many minutes it took for me to start checking my watch during Revenant.
2: Oh jeez. <laughs>
0: Just kidding, I kid, I kid.
2: <laughs> uh, I thought I, The Revenant... I mean, I've already alluded to the fact that I really enjoyed it and uh, Tom Hardy for the president of acting.
0: No, I, I, I actually, we when we were walking home from The Revenant... I actually was talking with Steven, and he can back me up because he's here. I'm, I'm talking as if Steven isn't was on the talking podcast with, with us right now. But I made <laughs> this, talking? I, I made the statement that like everybody is talking about how great Leonardo DiCaprio is in the film, but I thought that tom hardy actually did the better acting in it yeah like like uh leo's performance is a better physical acting job but i thought that tom hardy like was fantastic in the film and yeah if i was if i had to award one of them some sort of award for acting it would go to tom hardy
2: yeah i just want him i just like want a ringtone or an audio clip of him just going like well if he wasn't such a girly little bitch I was hoping
0: he was going to ask the Revenant to blink so that he just put it out of the space. <laughs>
3: He's like, uh, I think not... Tom, Hardy,
1: He's... Tom Hardy is just becoming very good at starring in movies where the plot could be written in, like, two sentences. <laughs> yeah, which is about how much his character can read.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, when he buried Leo, he was like, you mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. That was my... <laughs> can't do it unless it's the actual line as
0: as he shot a big gun (laughs)
2: yeah yeah
0: all thing to do would be to finish him off quick (laughs) i mean we
2: we buried him right
0: uh, he's doing the same voice that the guy was doing in men in black when he was
2: wearing the edgar suit
3: (laughs) (laughs) water i need
2: water sugar sugar, more. more maybe that was his inspiration (laughs) like how the count was his inspiration for child 44 (laughs) <laughs> Not a movie I expect to show up on this list. And my number nine <laughs> is <your> Child44.
0: <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, it
1: is.
2: I don't know whose turn it is. Yeah, whose turn I don't is know.
1: It? <laughs> Chris's turn for his number nine pick. Steven okay, well, is... what was your
0: number nine against Steven? The, the Revenant. Oh, yeah, The Revenant. <laughs> Revenant. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. My number nine has been a, little, it's been a little index card floating around in my pile of index cards of films that I thought of contemplating for my, my list. And uh, it's not one that I would fight very hard for necessarily. Um, it's not one that I remember a lot of people talking about besides us reviewing it on this podcast. But it's a film that I just enjoyed, and it was a film that I didn't walk into having any expectations because I didn't know much about the people the story was about. And uh, that is the film, The End of the Tour. Um, This is a film that, uh, you know, it's about a reporter interviewing David Foster Wallace um, at the end, or yeah, right at the end of his book tour. And really, I just walked into it because it was like, hey, it's playing at the fun theater in town, and I'll go see it with Stephen, who knows who the hell this guy is. And I watched it, and I actually walked out of that movie really happy. Like, it was... A very enjoyable. Um, it, it was like my conversation movie for the year of people just sitting there having uh, deep conversations about stuff. And it's interesting too because it has a little bit of of that same thing that like other films that a lot of other people are praising, like say uh, Carol and Mistress America, or they're like in those stories there is like one character who sort of idolizes another character and is sort of trying to find their own way in life and kind of living through this person in this small moment of time. And I kind of like the way the end of the tour did that better than both those other films did it. Um, so I put that as my number nine. So thoughts from you guys.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I very much loved this movie. It was one of the things I was sad to not squeeze into my list. I probably should have made it an honorable mention in the take the premise and run award, uh, but yeah, no, I loved it. I'm I'm actually shocked that the year was good enough for me to not include it.
2: Um I almost had this in the next slot. Um really? actually, yes. Um with another movie um and it was going to be the movie's where uh I wasn't expecting much from and they made me cry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Person has a heart. <laughs>
2: um because if you don't cry at the end of the end of the tour, um from jason siegel's performance then you're not a real f- person so <laughs> um i had no idea i didn't i knew nothing really about david foster wallace and i came out feeling like i now like knew him after the movie you know like that's the best i think compliment i think you could give a movie where you don't know anything about the subject matter and then you you know came out feeling like you knew, you know, a good chunk of him. And, you know, they did that movie right where it wasn't, um, like a cradle-to-the-grave biopic. Like, it was just that chunk in time of his life and, uh, you know, that that tour. And, uh, the acting is just so good in that movie. Like, it feels like, that movie feels the most like a, uh, a before movie. A Richard, you know, like a Richard Linklater movie, because it's just so natural, the acting and the dialogue and everything. Yeah. And, uh, like, there were times where I legit, because I googled obviously what the real David Foster Wallace looked like, and I mean, I there were times where Jason Segel looked more like him than the real guy. I feel like there were times where it was just like I, I didn't even seem like it was him. Yeah, no, I totally
1: agree, and I, I don't know, Carson, did you listen to the episode we did about it?
2: I, I think so. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I may have yeah. started and then stopped for some reason. I don't really know why. Memorable. No, yeah, it, it wasn't that I memorable. Seriously, I seriously don't remember. <laughs> I know I listened to some of it, but I think it was one of those things where, like, I meant to go back and listen to the rest, and then I never did.
1: Any, anyway, I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I I just wanted to know if you had the context that I I am a huge, huge David Foster Wallace fan, and I had actually read the interview that the book is transcribed pretty much word for word from yeah <laughs> or at least like a lot of the conversations are lifted straight from that interview and i still think jason siegel did a phenomenal job of playing him um i i do actually believe if you watch the movie you could walk away understanding what the guy was about and yeah. what what he cared about so yeah it, I'm really glad somebody put it in cuz I feel g- guilty now that I forgot about it. <laughs> well, I, no,
0: I mean, I, it, at the time, like in that episode you did mention about how you felt a little bit less about the film simply because it was literally just the exact same thing you had read transposed visually. So mm-hmm. it it like you you did struggle with it at the time too. Um it wasn't just like, ah, oh, I wasn't into it. It was it was something that was weird about it for you. Um but yeah, it, it was my introduction to the guy, and it makes me very happy that you guys are so positive on the film.
2: I mean, I, I only took it off because I, uh, again, I, you know, thought there would be overlap. I thought for sure Steven would have it on his list.
0: <laughs> you, you took it off because you couldn't combine it with another film in the genre. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean,
2: like, I, if I
0: can't get a twofer, I'm not putting this thing on the list.
2: Well, there was another movie that I was trying to put on, and I was like, well, I have a feeling someone's going to mention End of the Tour. So I took it off. But, I mean, it's a near-perfect movie, I think. Like, it's it's so... Like, the, James Ponzelt, the director, is, like... It's only his third movie, and it's just... I I don't know. He's just really, really good, so...
1: he He's batting, like, a perfect average right now for me. I've... I loved all of well, his he, movies so far. Yeah, because,
2: like, I didn't... I wasn't really a fan of Smashed, and then I just kind of thought, okay. And then, I mean, I don't know. He just... For me, it just was a complete 180, you know, after that. I was like, man, I shouldn't have doubted the guy.
0: And I wasn't into Smash, either.
2: Yeah. But anyway, so... So, you didn't
0: put this in your number eight slot, Carson, but what did you put there? Or what things, what multiple films well, did you put in your number eight slot? I changed it slot? up,
2: uh, because it was going to be, like, movies I, you know, like I said, wasn't expecting much from, but really enjoyed, uh... Uh, so I just changed it to, uh, romance movies, uh, because the one movie that I had in there was a romance and that was, uh, Far From the Madding Crowd, which is, uh, Carrie Mulligan is in it and, uh, obviously it's adaptation of the famous book that I've never read and have no idea what it's about, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um... I, I thought the trailer. Lo- Even after the movie. No, no, no. I mean, I like the book. Like, I, I, but I was like, the trailer looks cool. Um, and uh, uh, Thomas Vinterberg, who directed the film, like, is known for doing like these really hardcore, like, like Lars von Trier type of like depressing shit. Um, and uh, I was like, well, that that's probably gonna be pretty good. And um, surprisingly, it was like the like nicest movie i think he's probably ever done like it's um it had a really like kind of like dark undercurrent to it but uh it, it was just it was one of those movies where like it was completely conventional but like everything about it was so well done like uh i mean you know where it's going like from the very beginning but like i, I don't know what it was i just was completely on board throughout the whole thing it reminded me of the Kira knightley pride and prejudice um, that came out like 10 years ago which was the same kind of thing where it was just like a really well done adaptation of a story we've seen like countless times before but something about it, it was just like very like it was just it was just a nice movie and obviously uh all of the actors are really good in it and uh i will say that uh i don't know how to pronounce the guy's last name but the he was in the bullhead and the danish girl but uh Matthias Schoenarts, like he is like the most badass sheep herder <laughs> that I've seen. He made me, like he made, like how Matt Damon made botany look cool in the Martian, like he made sheep herding look really cool.
1: Oh, this is the guy that looks movie. like Vladimir Putin. This
2: is the Putin guy. Is it? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was also in the drop with uh, Tom Hardy.
0: <laughs> the really small version of his picture looks like James Franco.
2: He kind of looks like James Franco.
0: Yeah, had really, really small. The way his facial hair is with his IMDb photo. Yeah,
1: yeah no. Click if you click on picture number like seven, you'll find him without facial hair.
2: He's like yeah. the, Bel- the, the Belgian really version. <laughs> yeah,
0: you said that so loud in our theater too after the Danish girl. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But yeah, and then, uh, uh, Michael Sheen is also really good in it, uh, he plays like a, I, I just say, like, I was, like, the ending of his character arc is, like, very satisfying and also very sad, but, uh, anyway, I really like that movie, I don't think it got enough, uh, praise, it was kind of just like, oh, whatever, but it, it was really cool, um, and then the other one was, uh, the Duke of Burgundy, which has gotten some talk, but, uh, i'm sure it'll be mentioned but uh you know everyone's talking up carol and i'm just like but it's no duke of burgundy because that was the uh younger older uh lesbian romance movie of 2015 in my opinion and there's um, only room
1: for one there's why is only... there not
2: an oscar category
1: for that yet <laughs> there older, can be only one. Love.
2: there can be only one uh <laughs> in a motion
0: picture or a comedy
2: yes <laughs> um yeah it's a it's a really uh the, the guy who did barbarian sound studio which i think i had like a couple years back on my list yeah i remember the, you mentioning it yeah he so he's directed this movie and it's just really i mean if you watch it you'll probably be like well i know why he likes this but uh, uh <laughs> um because it's idea. it's very like the it's it's not gratuitous but but uh it's it's very like kinky. It was like kinkier than Fifty Shades of Grey. Like there was a lot more there was a lot weirder shit going on. Uh let's just say that Christian Gray did not use Anastasia Steele's mouth as a toilet, that's for sure. Um <laughs> All so, right. But there's a lot of like there's a lot of like really like risque stuff, but it's like handled really well and they're like both scientists at like this this like university in the mountains and they're they're uh uh they're uh they specialize in in looking at butterflies it's just it's it's a very unique movie and uh yeah it's it it, it puts carol to shame i'll just say that
0: i i have heard good things about it i didn't hear about the mouth toilet thing but i've I've definitely (laughs) heard positive things there's a mouth toilet for sure
2: yeah it's it's uh it's very it's one of a kind that's for sure yeah,
1: I I also particularly Duke of Burgundy. I was actually really planning on checking it out. Uh, oh, I get just, it,
0: Duke of Burgundy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, just barely missed the cut, uh, and far from the madding <laughs> crowd. Yeah, like the. <laughs>
2: Sorry. Uh, Sorry, This It's the du- dumbest joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's <was laughs> funny. The dukey <laughs> of Burgundy. His mouth is a
0: toilet and is the duke of Burgundy.
2: But that's like, like I feel <laughs> he like if took you... like a
0: duke in her mouth.
2: <laughs> when you when you describe it, it sounds so ridiculous, but it's handled like so... It's handled really well. I don't know how he did it, though. So. Anyway, Continue, interrupted Steve. anyway Steve. I interrupted him.
1: I heard good things. Uh, far from the maddening crowd, I was also kind of sad to not check out. Like, I didn't... I didn't hear amazing things, but I remember Carson being really sold on it. Um, yeah, I mean, both both seem like good picks, good good movies. Should I jump to my number eight? I feel like extrapolating, yes. this is going to be a four-hour episode. <laughs> yes, yes, yes.
0: Number eight, Steven.
1: <laughs> okay, so my number eight is the Dallas Buyers Club Award. That's what I named last year for like the traditionally told movie that didn't do anything particularly new, but did what it did normally very, very well. Um, so my runner-up, I think this should also be known as the Sorry Carson Award. Um, (laughs) free held. (laughs) Yeah. So my runner-up. Dude,
2: I didn't even see that. It was in theaters for like a week. Like, no one cared for it. (laughs) Sorry.
1: Um, my, my runner-up was Brooklyn, which Chris and I saw together last week. Uh, and I thought for a movie that really didn't look like much at all from the trailer, it wound up being a phenomenally well done, very simple love story. I think if it hadn't faltered pretty heavily in the third act, it would have beat out my number one choice, which I know Carson hated because he mentioned it last week, which is Love and Mercy. (laughs) Um,
2: (laughs) How can you pick Love and Mercy over Brooklyn?
1: I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, This was an airplane movie. That's part of it. So, okay, Love and Mercy. That probably benefited the most from the airplane effect, where you're sitting, you're in a bad mood, a bad situation, and you just want to feel something good. You just want altitude sickness.
2: (laughs) You just (laughs) want to walk out of the plane.
1: (laughs) And and, and, okay, so my good vibrations from watching this movie came down to (laughs) almost only two things Paul Dano's performance and the Beach Boys soundtrack. Um, I mean, people emphasize the John Cusack stuff as being awkward or terrible, and like, I disagree. I actually thought it counterbalanced the meat of the movie pretty well. It definitely was like a hammier, much more superficial counterpoint. Like I get if that part of the movie turns you off. But I think the heart of the movie is about music and soul and just like the power of music and the kind of beautiful mind feeling of what can a person create when they're tapping really deeply into themselves And like as someone who quite likes the Beach Boys, but never actually knew the story of Brian Wilson or how Pet Sounds got made, I just found it like phenomenally fun to watch. I loved the music in the movie, loved Paul Dano's performance, even like Elizabeth Banks and John Cusack. That part in the context of the older stuff really worked for me, actually. Um, So I don't know. For me, it was the most feel-good movie experience I had this year. And even if it happened sleep-deprived on a flight to London, I, I got to give it props. I I really liked it. I actually think Chris would really like it too. Carson hated it. Whatever.
2: I mean, I said it was bad, and it it is. I, I didn't like it. Uh, <laughs> I said it was bad, and I was not lying. I mean, I just think there are a lot better music biopics. I, I I wholeheartedly agree, though, that Paul Dano is the best thing in the movie. And the scenes where he's... In the recording studio, uh, making you know those songs. I wish the whole movie was like that, like because I mean that, that was...
1: is the movie for me. Like that is what sticks with me.
2: Yeah, but I mean there was just I don't know there was just all this other stuff where it's going through the usual motions of that kind of movie, and I was just I just wanted to see him you know doing his thing in the in the recording studio.
1: L- Love and Mercy is also the prequel to Prisoners, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> no it's assumed. the it's the prequel for paul Giamatti to uh to straight out of compton that's what <laughs> yeah, <he>, it is <laughs> he just became the perfect slimy blonde haired record dealer in this movie like right yeah that's just what he does
2: yeah.
0: Well, I didn't see Love and Mercy. Um, I remember seeing the trailer and kind of just because I, I used to be really into the Beach Boys as well. Um, so I was kind of excited for the idea of the film, but I never got around to watching it. I will say, though, about Brooklyn, which Stephen and I talked at length on the curb <laughs> outside the movie theater as we were waiting to get picked up. But uh, the it's a film where during the film, I was like oh, my God, I think I love this movie. I'm going to have to find a spot on my top ten list to put this freaking movie. And I feel like the, the way the character is written towards the end of the film basically just killed my love of the film. And I, I don't know if – maybe I shouldn't be able to fault the entire film for not sticking the landing just because of how much I was enjoying the beginning of it. But it, it just I, – I walked out of that movie so angry <laughs> at the character wow. too. Wow.
2: I walked out of that movie uh happy and and relieved that that it ended nicely because if they had taken a Nicholas Sparks route and somebody got off I was going to fucking lose it. I was like no, please have her make it back and be with the the guy. Like I just I, I don't know. I was I was wrapped up in it. I think They're the Better, better like, Nicholas I, 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 that has nothing to meeting.
0: do with that. It's it's all the decisions the character makes in the scenario she's in with our with our homeboy Donald Gleason
2: oh <laughs> well yeah do got the shaft but uh <laughs> uh i i i love that movie it was it was really good so I, cool. I can't i can't fault anything in that movie it was it was kind of like an end of the tour where i just was like so floored by like how simple and effective it was so which one was your actual film Stephen? oh uh my
1: actual one was love and mercy yeah
2: okay. he went with but the this da- was another toss-up he went with I, the dad rock choice. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I just had to make sure because I know you threw out like 15 movies. So
0: I'm, trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to write these down so I have them in my head. All right, so my number eight? Yeah. Luckily, I can try to save some time because there's not a lot of stuff I can say about this film other than my number eight is Victoria, which is a film that has a gimmick to it. But the, unlike other films that try to use similar gimmicks... The gimmick disappears during the course of the film, and what you watch feels like the most honest performances you have seen because they kind of just are. There's no there's no there's no cutting, there's no like redoing it. It's like this is it. What you are watching is the way it happened. And there's no tricky camera moves, there's not flying around out in and out of windows. It's just a film presented, presenting a situation to you that you watch through to completion and I was just really impressed with what this film did and the way that the characters felt like real people doing real things and it didn't feel like a silly excuse for not turning a camera off. So, Victoria, number eight. Go see it. Don't look up the freaking description for the damn movie because (laughs) it's a spoiler.
2: Oh, man. This is going to be a four-hour episode because Victoria was awful. (laughs) (laughs) I... uh... Next! (laughs) (laughs) Next! I, I if I had to do a top five worst, it would definitely be top three. Like that was one of the worst experiences I've ever. Like I had, I had like my eyes hurt watching that movie because <laughs> it's because you sit in the second row. No, Carson. it was because the the shaky cam was so atrocious. It was like oh, it was it was it was killing me.
0: You know, the further you sit back, the less shaky shaky that's going to look to you.
2: Well, <laughs> if the movie had actually been good, then uh, I probably it probably wouldn't have mattered. But. Uh...
0: This movie is better than The Revenant.
2: <laughs> no. Although, I, I did think when it was over that it could potentially be Chris's number one movie. Like, I thought it'd be higher than number eight, to be honest. Really? Yeah. I just... Because, like, I don't know. I just... I just it just... it It seemed like it would be higher i don't know well, I,
3: at, least, I at
1: least that means i'm not crazy for having it number eight it, no, just, it, it I, just means that carson, it just means the carson of knows movie. the type of craziness you have
2: i yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i i just i for all the reasons you loved it i didn't lo- love it because i felt like the gimmick in the movie was the only thing it had going for uh because everything else in it wasn't very interesting like
0: uh, <laughs> so everybody copy and paste this into our review of the revenant if we ever record that <laughs>
2: No, but I mean, like, uh, the Revenant actually had like good cinematography and like actually good performances, and like in the in Victoria, you were just like, I hate all of these people because they were just they were just dumb. Like, why would why would she go along with with that whole plan? Like, I just and and just to say uh, that, but <laughs> no, but to say that to say that this movie has spoilers in it, I'm not gonna say what it is, like what happens, but I I just feel like the the progress of the movie is very predictable and even if you didn't know what was going to happen it's easy to know where it's going to go because there's only so many places where it could go because they were limited to a certain amount of things and it, it becomes yeah, but it, it could go like irreversible or something <laughs> like
0: yeah but like there's there's definitely a sense of dread that hangs over the the film and once you're done you know like it 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 could be a million things, and the longer the film goes, the less and less things it could be. Um, and I, I don't know. Awesome. It was an
2: arduous experience.
0: And Steven still hasn't watched it yet,
2: right? No, Even though I, it's I,
0: available on VOD.
2: I almost watched
1: it yesterday for you, but I didn't do it. <laughs> you gotta settle. You gotta settle it, man.
2: I mean, I just—I'll I'll give it a shot. I don't know. There was just yeah. I mean, it wasn't like Birdman where it had. There was obviously a gimmick to that, but there was. A, everything else about that movie there was it was interesting and there was like top notch stuff and like Victoria was just like well we have this idea to do a two and a half hour one take movie and that's it like that's all it felt like to me also
0: because of how long the film was my car got locked in a garage and it ended up costing me a hundred dollars to see this movie
3: what holy shit because
0: my car got locked in a garage i had to uber home (laughs) then uber back in the morning to get my car out and pay for parking so i still liked it even though it cost me a hundred dollars Dude,
2: that is legit bad like i i (laughs) i'm sorry i would be so mad like i was even like i like i'll i know we're going long but like when i saw this movie we're the only two people in the theater and i'm not kidding 10 minutes left in the movie the projector just died like not even (laughs) like not even not even like it just cut to black it literally like it was like a deflating fart it was just like like i heard the projector fart and die like that's how sad it was and like my girlfriend was just like i think that's just how it ends and i'm like no no i saw like the (laughs) subtitles fading like that was that was the projector had enough of this shit and like, and the lady came in. She was like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." Like, this is seventy thousand dollars' piece of equipment. Like, I don't know what happened. And I was just like, I was like, "Don't worry about us." Like, we needed a break from this. <laughs> like, I want to see the last ten minutes because I don't want to make it this far and be like, "Oh fuck!" Like, because I don't want to come back to this. But yeah,
0: all right. Well, why don't you let me know your number seven?
2: Is? <laughs> so at least I got that out of it. It was a funny story. Um. All right, quickly. What, number seven. Um, uh, I called this one the Youth um, because there are two like. <laughs> because it's the movie The Youth. Yeah, I was the Youth it. by Paolo <laughs> no, Sorrentino. It was not Youth. Um, uh, no, that is not on this list. Um, uh, but because it, it's about, uh, it's like two coming of age stories, but from two very different uh, sides of life. Uh, one was the movie Dope, which I thought was like really a really fun movie. Uh, with that was in the spirit of like some of these uh, old 90s uh, urban films like Friday and Juice. And uh, then on the complete opposite side is a movie that, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Steven liked it, but Chris, not so much. Uh, but I, I really love this movie. It was Mistress America. Uh, I think Noah Baumbach had uh, two really great...
0: <laughs> I did like the movie. I didn't like the beginning of the movie. Once oh. it goes crazy, I, had, I fell in love with the movie.
2: Okay, I couldn't remember though, so I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I thought, uh, he had two really good movies this year, but Mistress America was just, uh, dude, that whole ending sequence was, <laughs> that was just like the funniest shit. Yeah. That, it the was whole amazing. Scene, th- that whole scene where they're in the house. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Greta Gerwig is, is a star. So, uh, I, I really like that movie and it had a really good score too. So there you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I really loved, uh. That movie, though I do think, while we're young, is maybe the more deserving candidate. But both movies, no, Bombach had a great year this year. <laughs> I, yeah. I dug both of them quite a bit. Yeah, I like yeah, that, both.
0: That's what you're remembering is while we're young is the movie I did not like. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah. Now that you say it, I remember now. Okay.
0: Yes, which which <laughs> which which concludes my thoughts on his picks. So Stephen, <laughs> <laughs> number seven. <laughs>
1: Okay, uh, from here on out, I'm done apologizing to people. <laughs> like, the rest of these movies I'm not embarrassed for. Uh, and this time I did what I never do, which is I actually shuffled documentary into my normal top ten picks. Usually, like, I don't know how to deal with it, because a movie about genocide, how can I stack that up against, like, a love movie with an AI and Walking Phoenix? Um, but this time I decided to try. Uh, so my runner-up is Cartel Land, uh, which... Everybody is talking about making a murder, and maybe that movie is excellent. But to me, Cartel Land is just proof of what crazy things a documentary a documentary filmmaker can do. Um, I mean, that movie is just the camera gets behind the actual cartel in Mexico. It gets behind vigilante groups who are fighting the cartel in Mexico. It watches as they, mild spoiler, maybe become indistinguishable from the cartel as they fight them. Just a mi- mind-blowing movie, um, but the real winner of what I called the Act of Killing award is very predictably *The Look of Silence*, which is Joshua Oppenheimer's follow-up to *The Act of Killing*. Um, there's not even much to say about it. Like everything I loved about *The Act of Killing*, I love here. It just it really shows you what does evil look like and how does evil justify itself. Like crazy crazy documentary experience would urge everyone to check it out
2: yeah i i i liked uh look of silence a lot i mean i also liked active killing so i mean they were both they're both uh you know one of a kind documentary uh i didn't see cartel land though but i heard it's good obviously yeah that (laughs) one was
0: nuts (laughs) <laughs> you, you've sold me on Cartel Land. I'm definitely going to check that one out. I still have not seen Look uh, or Act of Killing.
1: Um, so obviously, Look of Silence, <laughs> like, I, like, have not I think, get around to either. I think in content, in the kind of mind blowing, you know, 120 character description, I think Cartel Land is a crazier movie. Uh, the Look of Silence was just like, in addition to being very powerful and very interesting. It was also just, like, really well-made. I thought there were very, like, artful directions Joshua Oppenheimer took with it. I think he's very, like, caring. And given that he's basically interviewing Hitler, he's weirdly forgiving. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know, I I really like that. I think it it showed a lot of restraint for a subject matter that you could just crank to 11 if you ever wanted to get on the, like, Michael Moore type of... Criticizing and finger pointing Like he really takes it to an interesting Place
2: yeah
0: Cool well uh It's not uh, The look of silence but it is a Story about a bunch of people keeping Silent about something and Other people trying to figure out what that Thing is <laughs> in my awesome Translation or translation my awesome Transition my number seven Film is Spotlight spotlight <laughs> um, <laughs> We are duly appointed federal <laughs> marshals.
2: <Martians. laughs> Cottage um, industry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, Spotlight is a film. Like Spotlight is is the like you can almost I, I I should almost just for the idea of what I'm going for I should almost have it at, like five point five on my list because it's it's just a it's just a well executed film like it's it's not the best film that's been out this year it's the most perfectly contained standard great storytelling piece of isolated film making that I think came out. It doesn't, it doesn't have as high a highs as other films. It definitely doesn't fall to the lows of other films. It's just a solid fricking movie. And I, I remember watching it and just being like, they could have done such, they could have done really cheesy things or like heavy handed things with the story in this film. Um, I mean, you can listen to our review for full thoughts on it, but like basically I just thought it was an incredibly solid piece of filmmaking and a great telling of a story that is unfortunately not so great, so spotlight number seven
2: uh yeah, spotlight was really good um uh, it's for all the reasons you've said I, I think that uh it's a movie that doesn't go for big it goes for uh for very understated uh performance like there's no there's no like moment where someone's like trying to you know get in the Oscar reel um I, I think that there's just a lot of like it's just regular people doing their job and they're really good at it i i like movies where people are really good at their jobs and they they do it well like um uh, yeah i i almost thought of like putting this in like steve jobs in a category because like they i don't know because they were both about they had like the same you know watching people be really good at stuff so they're, they're both about jobs right exactly <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, I like Spotlight a lot. <laughs> that yeah, so, I, that's
0: so terrible, Steven.
1: I, I I very much liked it too. Um, I'm hesitant to say too much cause it, uh, why, why like, you know, beat around the bush. It will come up later in my list. Um, but yeah, everything you said, it's a great movie about just people keeping their head down. I think the characters and the actors, they're both really just like focusing on doing their part as well as possible not not being showy not being too like too grandstanding or too idealistic just really like keeping their head down and working and uh yeah i really liked it and i will talk about it more soon yeah cool. like,
2: uh Lev schreiber was the ultimate understated boss like <laughs> he was pretty awesome
1: yeah
0: well, speaking of awesome things, Carson, would you like to let us know what your number six film is?
2: Oh, uh, do I ever? Um, it's two really great uh, westerns that weren't The Hateful Eight or The Revenant, uh, but uh, one did star Kurt Russell, and that was Bone Tomahawk, which uh, probably has the b- b- most badass title of a movie in 2015, but... Uh, <laughs> that
0: was also the alternate title for Spotlight.
2: <laughs> whoa. Oh, boy. <laughs> going dark. Sinead's <laughs> Sh- 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 runner, going dark. He's, he's, he just f- scorched it, man. Scorch trials over here. The scourge. <laughs> you won't be able
0: to handle the scourge. The
2: scourge. Like, oh, Littlefinger, can't hide that accent. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Bone Tomahawk, um combines, uh, Western and horror, which is, uh, not something you see a lot, and, and comedy. It's, it's really well written, like, uh, it's, it's near Tarantino-level dialogue, I think. It's, uh, really, really awesome, uh, characters and, uh, really hilarious interaction between all of the characters. And, uh, the basic premise is that, uh, Patrick Wilson is in it. And he plays a sheriff and then his wife gets kidnapped by a bunch of cannibals and uh kurt russell is is the uh the sheriff in town and he, he rounds up a bunch of people to go uh to go find her and uh it's it's really good uh matthew fox is in it and uh richard jenkins <laughs> and uh sean young david arquette there's a ton of people in this movie uh it's it's a it's a very unique and fun time and uh it's got one of the craziest cannibal kills you've seen in a movie
0: (laughs) so (laughs) i haven't seen a lot of cannibal kills so uh, dude i I mean any of them would be crazy to me
2: i mean there's a lot of like i've seen cannibal holocaust and there's some crazy shit in that but i've never seen someone be killed in the way that they've been killed in this movie (laughs) i was like whoa (laughs) like even for even like all the stuff in the hateful eight was like didn't compare to this i was like damn movie goes hard. Anyway, uh, the other good Western was uh, a movie called Slow West uh, with uh, Michael Fassbender. And, uh, man, that movie is really good, too. It, it kind of, like, just went straight to VOD. Um, but it was really good. Like, uh, And it's only, like, 80 minutes long. And it just, like, it goes by. It's, like, super short, but it's, like, very compact. and um, And it's also kind of like a love story, too and uh ben mendelson plays the villain in it and there's just like a lot of again like a really a lot of unique take on like the western genre and a lot of like really cool imagery and stuff um i mean there's not much else to say other than you should see it um it was one of three movies that fassy was in that that were all great so uh yeah, anyway. yeah i
1: think the moment you said western both of those movies came to mind. As, like, <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote them both down before he said it. <laughs> two, two movies that I knew I could catch on VOD that I have felt terrible about not catching yet, especially Slow West because that came out in like April or something. Yeah, it came out in and May. Yeah, I literally I rented it on iTunes twice and let it expire because <laughs> like I just never wound up watching it.
0: I thought you were the guy
1: who just buys them. No, yeah, no, I'm, I'm still a renter. Oh. but no, from everything I hear. I really should watch those movies. Yeah, it was good. And I will add them to my
2: queue. Do, do it. <laughs> don't. <laughs> just do it's it already. So is, is that my queue, down.
0: by the way? Yeah, that is your queue. Steven, why don't you give us your numbers six?
1: Okay, so number six is the Steven isn't as snobby as commenters think he is. Sometimes he likes movies people actually saw award. Um, so last year, I don't even remember. I think I gave it to Edge of Tomorrow. Um, this is just for like a big mainstream movie that blew me away while still being able to be like big audience, big budget, just a big movie. And spoiler, a few others might show up higher on the list. Uh, so runners up were Creed inside out the walk, all of those movies. I really, really enjoyed the walk most surprisingly. Um, but really like Creed and inside out. I kind of can't believe I didn't find room for them on the list. Um, the one I did find room for is the movie that was just tailor-made for me pretty much, which is The Martian. Um, so my favorite quote was A.A. A. Dowd. He called it the God's Not Dead of movies for atheists. <laughs> because <laughs> this is just like with the same kind of religious conviction that those hokey evangelical movies get made, where they're just preaching to the choir, showing you their lead character succeeding and succeeding against adversity. Uh this movie does that for like science and the human uh, the human spirit. It's just like it's an unabashed joy ride and an ode to the fun and the brilliance of problem solving. And I think it's really anchored by um Matt Damon. He's just the perfect charismatic star. He has the right amount of whimsy, self-deprecation and just cool factor. Um and it really just has a respect for the craft of science. So I don't think any movie this year left me with a bigger, dumber smile. And I'm glad after Exodus, Gods and Kings, Ridley Scott made like a legitimately great movie.
2: Yeah, which is crazy to think that he went from that to The Martian. Um, I think that's it's Ridley Scott's best movie since Gladiator. Um, I agree. Yeah, I I mean, there's nothing but praise for The Martian. Like I, you know, there was all that like brouhaha when it got nominated at the golden globes for a comedy but like i legit thought the martian was the funniest movie of 2015 like it's a it's a really funny movie like it's just non-stop comedy and just really entertaining sci-fi so yeah yeah i
0: agree um it may come up later
1: Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry? I I don't want to step on you. Sorry.
0: No. Um. I I mean, it's definitely a very funny film. One of the funniest of the year, I would agree. I still don't like the idea of calling it a comedy. I think you can have not comedies that are very funny. But then again, I looked at the other stuff in that list, and I wouldn't want Spy to win for best comedy. So. <laughs> it was
2: definitely funnier than Fine.
0: Spy. As much as I liked Spy, I mean, I genuinely
1: really liked Spy. Yeah. Um. But I I just I feel weird giving that movie an award. <laughs> Look, I'm just glad Trainwreck didn't win for anything. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I do... I would have been happy. But the, the moment I saw here. The Martian, like when The Martian was in that category, it was clear it had to take home the trophy. Oh, had, yeah. I think it's deserved. Like, it had plenty of laugh out loud moments.
2: I, I mean, I think they just put it there so they, they could give, you know, they could award it and something else. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: no I, I agree uh, and, and also just for the record when you said this is the award for see Stephen likes movies that everybody else likes too I wrote The Martian down and then I was about to scribble it out when you started talking about other things and then I was like eh and then you're like The Martian I'm like okay cool
2: yeah but it's not it's not like Stephen was like I love Paul Blart too like was, you know I mean a lot of people love The Martian it got like yeah. it's a it's a well reviewed movie it's, it's the second mm-hmm. best space movie this year after Pixels <laughs> Yeah, I, I kid, I kid Well, no, Ricky Gervais had a joke of the Golden Globes. They said it at least The Martian was funnier than Pixels. Yeah, nice. I didn't get to watch it because Rimshot. apparently
0: you can't stream that shit online. Oh. piss me off. Well, you Anyways. Can. Anyway. My number 6, which is not yet The Martian, um mm. is uh this is a film that uh I think finally, actually I can't say finally cuz Carson actually agreed with me on some other stuff, but uh it, it follows
2: Oh, yeah, of course. It it follows this freaking amazing
0: movie. (laughs) This movie is so good. Uh, It's Um, it's
2: very good, yes.
0: Yeah, like it's a film that, like, I walked in, I was like, all right, whatever, I'm going to see this movie. Carson thinks it's going to be cool, whatever else. Oh, I
2: had already, already seen it and told you how cool it was. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah yes. I,
0: I, It was one of those things where, like, I didn't want to believe. Like, I was like, okay, this is probably going to be, like, I didn't cool. want to agree. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be cool in a Carson way. It's not going to be cool in a Chris way. And, like – just the conceit of this frickin' movie is amazing. Like, just just what it's going for is brilliant. And it, it, it has the least scariest, most scariest thing, or the most scary, seemingly least scariest possible. Like, the thing that this whole film is making you scared of is somebody just walking towards you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, well, for a guy who was afraid to go in Jupiter without knowing anybody, I think. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey. Just
2: You just shut your way. Wait, mouth, Jupiter Steve. ascending?
1: No. Jupiter, a bar in Berkeley?
2: I went to a movie and
0: Steven was like, You should go in this bar. And I stood across the street from the bar and just like, Yeah, there's a lot of people in there. <laughs> mm. But, anyways, It Follows is a brilliant film with a brilliant idea behind it. And it's executed amazingly well. And uh, if you have not seen it, go see It Follows because yeah. um,
2: it's, one yeah. of the, it's one of the best horror movies ever.
0: It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Steven still hasn't watched it. Yeah, no. I'm only
1: mildly regretful to say that I haven't watched it. I know I heard it isn't really scary. Oh, it's very scary. It, it has been well documented that I'm a wimp. <laughs> um, my favorite horror movie this year was The Visit. That's <laughs> as scary as I can do. That's and like, I kid you not. It's like Disney when, scary. When the lights are off, I frequently am afraid that Grandma is scurrying around downstairs.
2: <laughs> Naked. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so yeah i should catch i know i know i should catch it i've heard it i have not yet caught up with it follows
2: oh the visit that was i don't even that i think i told you it was like it just felt like a it felt like the movie equivalent of an old man using it trying to use a computer like that's <laughs> that's how it felt to me yeah.
0: Well, now that we're an hour and 20 minutes into this episode, (laughs) we have finally arrived at the place last year we started
1: with. So, Carson. Only two hours to go.
2: Still (laughs) shorter than, uh, I don't know.
1: Our Inception (laughs) review. Yeah, Yeah,
2: Inception. There you go.
0: Well, which is still my favorite movie of all time. So anyways, Carson. Right. Start us off. Let us know what your fifth favorite film of the year is.
2: I'll say this. Chris might be able, he'll probably be able to guess the one movie in this, but, uh, uh I like to call this one uh literary adaptations on don't And um <laughs> I don't even know what that is <laughs> um one of them, Michael Fassbender coming back in, uh, is uh Macbeth, uh which was really awesome. Uh yeah, again, talk about uh taking a, a story that's been done a bunch of times before and completely doing something just completely insane with it. Um, this is, uh, yeah, I mean, fassy plays Macbeth, and it's crazy. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like, it's an in-your-face, like, it's just loud, in-your-face f***ery. Like, it's, it's, it's an experience, for sure. Uh, With the soundtrack by Metallica, it's super crazy. <laughs> dude, that would have been, that would have been legit. But it has, like, it has, like, a rock-sounding score. Like, it's, like it's kind of like it's very like kind of lulling you know like it starts to like put you to sleep and then all of a sudden it's like like it just gets like right right in your face you're like oh god um yeah the i talked about a movie i think before when we used to do the one we've been watching uh called snowtown murders and uh this is the same director and he is he's on a different level man and uh He's going to be uh, reteaming with Fassi to do the Assassin's Creed movie next or this Christmas. So uh, that's probably going to be pretty awesome. If you watch Macbeth, you're going to be like, I can't wait to see Assassin's Creed. I don't even play Assassin's Creed, but I was like, it's going to be f-ing awesome. Um, <laughs> as
0: long as it's better than fucking Prince of Persia. <laughs> uh,
2: I, I have I could probably <laughs> Which is, guarantee is, is,
0: Assassin's Creed came from like Prince of Persia. Right, basically. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like... It came after. Yeah.
0: But, but I mean, it, it's basically the exact same thing. It's like a dude who runs on walls. <laughs> yeah. Except for in Assassin's Creed, there's like some weird matrixy bullshit going on.
2: I, I think if you watch Macbeth, you will be very excited to watch Assassin's Creed. I know I am. And like I said, I don't even, I don't even know the game that well. I just know that uh, it'll be interesting for sure. Because he's, he's, he's a kind of filmmaker like a Ryan Johnson who just can't make something that's unique. Um, so the other movie, I don't know if you guessed it, Chris, but, uh, I think we were going to review it, but he didn't like it, so, uh, but I, <laughs> I loved it, and, uh, a lot of people hated the fuck out of this movie, and I don't know why, um, because it's, it's really fun and great, uh, but that's Pan, and, no, uh,
1: no. <laughs> I knew you were going to squeeze it in somewhere. I, I didn't even, I couldn't even fathom in my head that you were talking <laughs> about Pan.
2: Um, so yeah, Pan is uh, the new Joe Wright movie. Uh, who also did uh, Hannah, which famously Chris did not like. <laughs>
0: Dude, I would wa- t- t- to borrow a Carsonism. I would watch Hannah a million times before <laughs> I'd watch Pan again.
2: But I don't understand because Pan is it's it's a lot of fun. Like there's just a lot of really cool stuff going on. It has a very adventurous spirit, which I think is missing from a lot of kids' movies these days. It also has fairy kinesis. But that was cool, like, uh, dude, come on! How can you say no to a movie where Hugh Jackman walks out and all his slave children are singing "Smells Like Teen Spirit"? Like that's a <laughs> that's dude. a movie that I'm on board with right there. Like
0: in the theater, I was like, the fuck is happening." Right I now? was
2: all about that, <laughs> and then
0: I, and then f- uh, Hugh Jackman is like, "Not my pan."
2: we <laughs> are like hook all the way, yeah,
0: hook all the way for sure, dude.
2: I I would uh, I. I agree, hook all the way, but I think Pan uh, stands on its own as a crazy ass kids movie. He I don't waste know, I,
1: two hours. dude. I don't know
2: how they gave, I don't know how they gave him all this money to make this movie because it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's off the charts, man. I mean, come on, how can you not, how can you not enjoy Hugh Jackman like sniffing fairy dust and getting high off of it <laughs> with this gas mask? Like what that was really was...
0: weird when that fairy dust was coming out of fairy panties. <laughs>
2: And then, like, people, when they die, they explode into, like, rainbow colors. Like, that, there's just a lot of, like, there's there's a lot that, like, appeals to me in this movie.
0: <laughs> the only part of the movie that appealed to me at all was any second that Rooney Marrow was on screen. And then after that, I was like, ugh, this movie.
2: Well, it was still a lot better than Carol, that's for sure. There's a lot more going on. <laughs> uh <laughs> But I I love the f*** out of Pan. I don't know if Chris noticed, but I put Pan Lover on the return address of (laughs) the... I did uh... see that. I (laughs) thought you were
0: saying that ironically as you sent me the disc for Area 51.
2: Hell no. No, dude. I I think that it's a movie that I legitimately think that that people will come back to it after, like, a couple of years. Because I I don't know why everyone was so down on it. Steven's got to watch this movie because... (sighs) It's good. I I would say you do have to
1: watch it, Stephen, because I'm I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's trolling me right now. No, I'm not. I think I have to. I think I have to, because Chris pretty much convinced me that there's no way in hell I should waste my time watching that movie. (laughs) (laughs) But I think this is a great segue, by the way, to my number five, Mm. (laughs) which Carson perfectly name dropped. (laughs) Carol? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, So we're now in the part of the show where I no longer have runners up these are just my top five movies um and carol <laughs> as carson mentioned um the best way i can describe it is that it's the perfect episode of Mad Men. um it was just a hypnotic movie for me it, it seduces you with the glamour of this like old hollywood era at the same time trying to tell you that that old hollywood era wasn't that glamorous um it's just very captivating filmmaking it had wonderfully kind of enigmatic characters it had this great filmic quality that i feel like i don't see enough of anymore uh, the score was beautiful the acting was great and probably the best compliment i can give it is that for a movie starring two straight actresses who you would think they're doing their kind of big broke back bid for the academy award um it never felt like a gimmick to me i i, I totally believed it and yeah i was just completely charmed by this movie <laughs> i know chris felt otherwise but yeah i i love this movie
2: i mean i was just i don't think it's a terrible movie i mean i think it looks amazing um but it just left me really cold like i didn't believe their romance and that's obviously why i mentioned the duke of burgundy um as the alternative movie uh for last year but uh i mean i don't know i was really wanting to see it because i think todd haynes is uh, a really interesting filmmaker and he's done like i mean i really liked i'm not there um and obviously velvet goldmine there's just he he has like a, a really unique style and i don't know that was like missing from carol it just seemed very straightforward and it wasn't uh i don't know you said that it was like a really good episode of Mad Men, but like to me uh i mean i can see see why uh i mean there's definitely parallels but i mean i don't know I really like Mad Men, but I don't know, there was just, it just felt super cold and empty to me. Anyway.
1: Yeah, I don't know, I'm I'm surprised. I feel like the, like, this is just a super textured movie. Like, like the kind of more wandering episodes of Mad Men where you, if a person were to just come in halfway through the season, they would be like, why are you watching this guy sit in a chair and drink and look out the window? (laughs) Um, Yeah. But this whole movie just built that tone for me so well. It really, really, it just put me in that era. It gave me all of the same kind of charm. And at the same time, it had the nice edge of having these, like, these moments that really undercut the charm. Uh, I definitely don't think it was a grand love story or like a big romance. I think it was a a great period piece about, a particular time and place and what it feels like to be lost. Um, yeah, I, it it really hit me, even though Chris and I had like the most terrible viewing experience <laughs> where we were shoved in the very, very front seat of a tiny theater where you had to like crane your neck to even see the screen. But it, it worked for me a whole lot better than The Danish Girl, which we saw right after.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it was a lot better than that. But uh, at least it wasn't a comedy. So that's, you know.
1: <laughs> Anyways, so so yeah, I mean, you can
0: listen to, to the review for our full thoughts on it. But I basically agree with all the points that Stephen makes. But because it wasn't a grand love story, and because I don't think the the I don't think the story itself pays off for, in a crisp sort of way, it took away from the experience of watching the whole film to me. Um, which is why I did not key in and enjoy it as much as uh, Stephen did. That being said. My number five film, I did enjoy as much as Steven did, and I put The Martian at number five. So one up from what Steven put it, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it because uh, we're all spending a lot of time talking about a lot of things, and I already agree with him. This movie is awesome. <laughs> the, the the five and up are, is my category of just raw, joyous enjoyment of the films that I saw. Um, so mostly I love it will be my explanation going forward. <laughs> so... Do you want to take us into your number four, Carson?
2: I, I would I would say that, too. Like, uh, if I, you know, were doing, you know, trying not to, you know, sidestepping all the overlapping, I think this would definitely be my top five. Uh, so, yes, Pan would be in the fifth slot, for sure.
3: <laughs> um, Dick.
2: <laughs> um, so... Number four is another uh, two movies that, uh, well, one a lot of people liked, the other not so much. Um, but uh, they both kind of have uh, a thing that uh, I don't really care about a lot, uh, which is plot. So um, I-, I feel like they were both super badass and didn't rely heavily on plot. They were more style over substance. So uh, one was taking it all the way back to January, and that was Michael Mann's Black Hat which I thought was just super underrated. Like, again, everyone shit on it, but, um, I mean, I can see why. Because if, uh, <laughs> if you thought Miami Vice was divisive, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. Um, because Black Hat was just even more all about the, the mood and the, the imagery than, um, uh, I guess, you know, obviously people were expecting more of a collateral than, or a heat than, than, uh, what they got in Miami Vice but uh yeah it's just uh I don't know I could watch Michael Mann movies all day like he's just like his style it's like it's almost it almost borderlines on self-parody but it just like he just that's just him like it just like his whole like recent stream of movies where he's gone like the the uh the digital way like it's just like that has completely captured his style like No other. And I think that Black Hat is just, uh, again, it's another movie where people are really good at their job. It's just like fun to watch. Um, and then the other movie is, uh, I know you guys talked about it. I can't remember what you thought, but it was Sicario, which I really loved. And I really like, uh, the director, um, who did Prisoners and Enemy, uh, Sicario was awesome. (laughs) Like, there's really not much to say about that. And I know a lot of people had problems with how the the story shifted and stuff, but uh, I didn't. I thought it was great. So, and there was, you know, people were saying how like, oh, Emily Blunt wasn't believable, and Chris Hemsworth wasn't believable as a hacker, and I don't know. I believed it. I I bought it. So, whatever. I, I thought they were really, really well done uh movies that just like really draw you in especially Sicario like even like when the 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 Lionsgate logo is coming up and there's just that like really <laughs> foreboding like really foreboding score in the background you're just like um is like the AC still on like what is that shit and then you're like oh shit like we're going to get in like this is art like taking you right in uh so yeah it, it was good it had a very I, like no country like Cormac McCarthy kind of vibe I didn't see Black Hat
0: and I can't say I liked Sicario as much as everybody else, but damn that border cross checkpoint scene is some of like the best action that was on film this entire year. That
2: was one of the best, yeah, yeah, best action scenes.
1: I think we can all agree. I I was, this is one of those rare movies where I really was a plot person or maybe at least like a, a point of view person. Like I want to think the director is saying something and I loved the first hour of Sicario. I thought it was it was really building up to a great movie full of, you know, dread and just that perfect, chilly, like nihilistic thing. Uh, But then, I don't know, the rest of the movie really just felt like he didn't know what he wanted to say. It felt like he undercut a lot of it. And in the end, like, if the first hour of the movie were a complete movie, I would have really dug it. But I I was left with kind of a, like a Rage Against Bush type feeling where it's like, this guy is really angry about the situation, but he doesn't have a point anymore. And like, if the point doesn't matter, that's cool. But this one annoyed me enough where I couldn't really get on board for it. I feel you there.
2: Well, your
0: loss. So what isn't your loss is your number four film.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So so this one is going to be really short because everyone has mentioned it already. Um, like, normally, this would have won the Dallas Buyers Club Award, but it was just too good for me, and that's uh, Spotlight. Spotlight.
2: Like, <laughs> It'll never get old.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what What can I say that nobody else already said? I think I love this for the same kind of reason that I love a lot of David Fincher's, like, slow-burning procedural movies. I think it's just a very well-paced, perfectly acted movie that also just really—kind of like the look of silence it takes— A thing that you could go way over the top on the outrage machine with and instead just examines it very even-handedly very interestingly and uh yeah this is a great movie it's one of those few years where the big oscar contender doesn't bother me at all i think like this deserves to win whatever it wins it's a yeah just like a near perfect movie
2: Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's lost all its steam to the revenant, so. Oh well. Yeah,
1: I don't know why. I I can't believe that.
0: Well, the revenant only has steam because it was so damn cold. Even a tiny bit of <laughs> warmth would cause steam in that. That's true. Uh, you know where else it's really steamy?
2: Uh, my toilet.
0: On a desert planet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how movies have desert planets, guys. I can think of two right now. Um,
2: Furious Seven.
0: <laughs> Furious Seven. <laughs> no, it's not Furious Seven. It is a lot of sweaty people f- in Star that. Wars: The Force Awakens. Oh, of
2: course, Jakku.
0: Of uh, course, yeah, dude. I ain't going back to Jakku. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, do you know Jakku talking about Willis? All right, we have. To, I have to cut in for just a second because I need to know and this is kind of funny so like i was at disneyland on saturday and you know it's the season of the force so they turned <laughs> space mountain into Hyperspace mountain and i i it's got to be christopher lloyd like he's so like when you're standing in line there's like a voiceover guy and he's like great scott like it, it almost <laughs> says great scott like it sounds exactly <laughs> like christopher lloyd and he said like our pilots are going to jakku and i was like haha jakku <laughs> I don't know, It it's funny <laughs> But it sounded so what's like what's the question? I don't Will know, you it, just, inter- it just sounded like Christopher Lloyd, and he's talking about Jakku, and then you get in, and you're like, you know, they put, like, TIE Fighters in Space Mountain. Anyway, whatever. Force Awakens. Well, thank you for that
0: break-in, Carson.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was important, so.
0: Oh, I know nothing about uh, Space Mountain, um... Uh, Because I haven't been to Disneyland in forever. But uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens, you can listen to our full review, um, our spoiler-filled review, to really know my full thoughts. But basically, as I've said a million times, as I've told Steven, as he heard on the podcast, Star Wars The Force Awakens is the Toy Story 3. It is the Muppets reboot of these, uh, of, of the star Wars franchise. And it made me realize that this franchise that I've been kind of like poo pooing as everybody else was getting excited for it, that I really do love it as much as they do. Um, it is a film that just beat the shit out of me with nostalgia. And, um, I really, 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 really enjoyed it. Um, I know Steven, not so much.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I caught this yesterday, Mm. even though I pretty much knew it wasn't going to make my top 10. Like, my feeling was if the original Star Wars came out today, people would not dig it that much. I think, like, nostalgia is such a heavy part of this franchise, and it opened up a great thing. I think Hodorowsky would have maybe opened up a little more. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so, like, I grew up on Star Wars. I felt happy watching this movie. I liked it. I liked what J.J. was going for completely middle-of-the-road movie for me like i have not thought about one scene since i left the theater oh Except... I, th- I think i think
0: steven was was drunk off his truffle oil popcorn and parmesan couldn't get the real
1: real experience <laughs> i will say i think donald gleason and oscar isaac are having like the best year ever right now because <laughs> man the two of them show up on so many movies that i love this year which might be a hint as to future picks <laughs> But <laughs> I yeah. thought Star Wars was just fine. It it was nothing special to me.
2: Bro, Dameron, all the way. Yeah, but I, you know, I'm with Steve you. Out of the club, I'm me with and
1: Carson. Will <laughs> be Kylo Renning
0: it up.
2: <laughs> I'm I'm all about Kylo Ren and Poe Dameron, but uh, other than that, I was middle of the road too. So
0: it's okay. I mean, like I said, this is like it. It, it is just a like we're at the point where like films. I don't even care if you don't
1: like them. <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that's how it should be. Yes.
1: So, Carson, what don't you care if we don't like? (laughs) I
2: I don't know. (laughs) Well, uh, three, Pan again. Uh, No. Um, (laughs) um, Well, these are one... uh, I won't say how these movies are kind of connected because uh, you'll just have to see them and you'll... It's a a mystery for you to figure out. You'll know why if you see them, but uh, one is a movie that... uh, it's, it got like no, I don't think anyone saw it, but, uh, it was called buzzard and it came out back in March and it was just like super, super like DIY filmmaking. Um, but in like the best possible way. Um, and it kind of starts off and I'm just like, I don't don't think I'm behind this, but then like, it just slowly builds and you're like, this is a, this is a great movie. And, um, it's a very strange movie, but, uh, it's very good. And it's, it's about, I feel like it has a lot of relatable themes. Cause like the main guy in it, um, he is, you know, is stuck in a dead end job and like, he's just trying to get by and, uh, he might have some problems mentally. I don't know, you know, but, uh, things get very dark and, uh, it's a lot of really dark humor and, uh, yeah, it's really good. There's a he he's like obsessed with this uh Nintendo Power Glove that he made that's like a he fashions into like a Freddy Krueger hand uh that comes into play in the movie and it's just uh I mean, it's one of these movies that like you would have seen back in like the like the indie boom of like the early 90s, I think. Uh anyway, it's really cool. There's like no stars or anything in it. It's like it's very like like I said, like diy to the max but uh it's really cool it's it's on uh amazon prime right now so if you have that stream it or you know if you want to go to yuri's pirate (laughs) bay or something you probably find it there but uh yeah so the other movie that i really enjoyed was a movie called kamiko the treasure hunter and um it's a movie with uh rinko kikuchi from brothers bloom at pacific rim and uh, what I said, "Bang bang!" Yeah, bang bang, and uh, she plays Kumiko. How did you guess? And wait, uh, wait, wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. Does she hunt for treasure?
2: Uh, <laughs> maybe, um, but uh, so she is also a very sort of depressed person stuck in a dead end job in uh, Tokyo, and she is obsessed with the movie Fargo. And uh, you remember, in if you remember in Fargo, there is that uh, fake you know, a uh, thing in the beginning saying how, like, everything is a true story, like what you're about to see. So she is just basically at the end of her rope and grasping for any sort of hope in her life, and she fully believes that Fargo happened, and she travels to Fargo, North Dakota, uh, in search for the money that uh, Steve Buscemi buried out in the snow. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's a it's a really, really unique movie, and uh, she's re- really, really great in it. And uh, yeah, that's a—it's a movie you should check out because uh, I—I just—it's just like super unique. And uh, yeah, so Kamiko, check it out. She loves yeah, Fargo.
0: <laughs> on my drive home, I was listening to the Fighting in the War Room podcast and to their top tens, and uh, they were talking about this film, and I was like, "This sounds like a movie I'm going to
1: watch."
2: <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was really sad uh, to not catch it. Carson told me to watch it yesterday. And Buzzard also was on my list of movies I really wanted to catch. Uh, oh, good. Film Spotting film spotting, actually really championed it. They had uh, Joel Petrikas on the show to talk about it. They've been really, really hamming it up. So,
2: yeah. Well, no, I'm, glad, I'm, I'm glad someone's talking about it because it's really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in both <laughs> quite a bit. There you go. Number three. Stephen. All
1: right, so this is my wild card. And not only is it a wild card, it's completely a cheat because the movie, by like any measure, came out in 2014. Oh, the only measure that it didn't is that it didn't come to VOD till 2015. And if Rotten Tomatoes is any indication, at least half of all people didn't even hear about it until 2015. And I certainly didn't. Uh, and that movie is another documentary called The Overnighters. Um, And I have to throw this here for the same reason I did Calvary last year, where this movie is just perfectly tailored to my sensibility. Um, It's a documentary that's about kind of faith and doubt about a pastor trying to do the right thing with a congregation that doesn't enjoy the way he's doing it. Um, I think it gets at a lot of very kind of political issues that are relevant today. Um, He's trying to take in homeless people, letting them sleep in his church. Some of them have a history of violence and sexual abuse. And um, basically, you watch his career get completely destroyed uh, for trying to do the right thing. Uh, But then it takes an interesting turn where he isn't all that perfect a person and the townspeople aren't all that evil. Um, So, yeah, I wanted to put Show Me a Hero here, (laughs) uh, the TV show, but I couldn't cheat that much. Uh, So this was basically the real life (laughs) equivalent Uh, this was just a movie that examines how like a lot of the movies on my list how the good people aren't always that good the hateful people aren't always that evil and really just trying to like examine that gray area that they live in so yeah this was another airplane for movie for me i think it's on netflix now um i really love this movie i I wrote a lot about it on letterboxd if anyone (laughs) cares to hear (laughs) Uh, but otherwise i kind of bet neither of you saw it right correct
2: no i saw you write about it though
1: (laughs) which is pretty much the same as watching it
2: well you know no i haven't seen it yet
1: yeah I, i would highly recommend it at least so this year i feel like i picked a lot of movies that if not message movies they at least like spoke to me in a very particular way and this one like i've been thinking about this movie so much and for all for all the flash of like cartel land and these big, massive movies, this documentary is really like a, a quote, human documentary to me. It really just gets inside the head of people who are confused, people who think they're doing the right thing, people who are trying to show off for the camera, trying to seem better than they are. And yeah, if you grew up in a church, especially, I feel like this movie is going to hit you right in the gut. It sounds uh,
2: it sounds very uplifting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not I, I even a like little. <laughs> no, obviously I, that was a joke.
0: Anyways, so since Steven stopped naming the categories for his different uh, rankings moving forward, I'll pick up that slack. And uh, my number three film gets the uh, films that prove that Chris is just a fourteen-year-old girl on the inside. Uh, Movies. The longest ride. Mm. <laughs>
1: the <laughs> longest
0: ride. How do you? I just always wanted to be a cowgirl and uh, fall in love with a cowboy. Right. And uh, ride him for a long time. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> um, no, but my uh, my number three is Inside Out. Guys, I don't know if it's just because. I moved up to the Bay Area right around the time, literally the weekend this movie came out, and uh, maybe I just identified with the little girl in the film, Riley, uh, too much. I don't know. I just think this is this is it's. I I was I was ready to watch and poo poo this movie. I didn't even like when the when the teaser came out. I was like, uh, why are they trying to do this? Like, I feel like this is something that has been accomplished like by a million other people in a way better way watch the movie and dear god this movie is so good um it's inside out guys it's it's i i'm i'm not even gonna bother telling people it it might be that i was just in the perfect mood to see this film in but there's there i laughed i cried there's some dark ass shit in there that like i don't even think people think is as dark as i think it is um but it, it's just it was a brilliant film and i loved every moment of it even so, lava. well, that that it, there's literally lava has its own credits. It's separate. I don't I don't count it oh. as the same thing. If I had to suffer through lava though to see inside out, I would I would do that. All right. I would scourge myself in <laughs> lava. You go
2: through the scourge trial
0: <laughs> if it meant that I could see inside out.
2: All right. Are you guys ready for this? Uh, I like the Good Dinosaur better than Inside Out. Oh, Oh, Carson,
0: get the hell off! I'm I'm hanging up on you right now. I couldn't stand the Good Dinosaur. Uh, Carson just likes digging in the ground. His
2: face. It was so much better. (laughs) It didn't have a whiny little bratty girl in it.
0: Don't talk about me like that. (laughs) (laughs) Carson just means the the guy sitting next to him in the theater, which is me. No, I I, <laughs> anyway. I
2: I knew it would show up. Like I said, I envy you for liking this movie. I don't know. I just, I couldn't get on board with it. It was too, I don't, it was just too annoying.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I loved it. We reviewed it on the podcast. Um, It didn't quite make the cut for me. Like, I think it heart warmed me maybe more than it actually made me feel strongly. Like, I could feel Pixar pulling the ropes but i I feel like it is one of the best pixar movies in a very long time um just like a totally charming movie way better than the good dinosaur and yeah there's not much else to say i i
0: really liked it too and and in case people are wondering fear is what drives (laughs) me on the inside (laughs) so just just in case you guys are wondering carson's clearly (laughs) carson's clearly owned by anger
2: Uh, I was during that movie.
0: <laughs> also had broccoli pizza in San Francisco. <laughs>
2: it was pretty good. Yeah. Oh, it's no.
0: Even, even though they cheated, it was a broccolini.
2: Uh, well, What's the difference, though? I think it's Italian. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's why it goes with pizza. Some hybrid. Some hybrid yeah. shit.
0: Anyways. Um... So you guys all had inside out as your number one. I can just write that in. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, totally. Totes. <laughs> oh, one, one, and two. I forgot what number we were on. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways,
2: you, you know, Steven said he didn't want to cheat and put a a TV show at number two, but I put Mr. Robot at number two. No, I'm kidding. Are you serious? I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. Is, it's not, <laughs> I, I literally today. I
0: I told Steven, I can't believe Mr. Robot won a f- award. That show is not good.
2: I I I liked Mr. Robot. Did you really put it as your number two? No, I that was a joke because Steven okay. said that he was contemplating putting Show Me a Hero as number two, even though you know it's not a movie. So that was a series. I think yeah, is you know, a little better. Yeah, I was going to be well, very, since, very very angry. Chris, so
1: Chris would have put Comet on his yeah, well I was just going to
2: say he didn't like Mr. Robot, but I wonder if he would like Comet. See, I was the opposite. I didn't like Comet, but I like Mr. Robot. So I don't know. Maybe it's just.
0: I, I thought for sure, Stephen, when you were talking about a film that like came out another year but then it hit VOD in two thousand fourteen or fifteen. I thought there was a chance that it was comet and then I looked up the release date and I was like, Yeah, oh, not I even don't. close. No. <laughs> yeah.
2: Anyway, number my number two is one that uh like Chris with Inside Out, uh everyone can just sit back and roll their eyes. Um uh one was uh Crimson Peak. I just thought was a really just beautiful looking movie and a really fun throwback to gothic horror. And like I mentioned in the hateful eight, uh, it was the most Guillermo del Toro movie that he's ever del Toro. So, um, (laughs) it's just, I just love that movie a lot. So, um, but it, it, it goes hand in hand with another movie that I really just loved. And, uh, again, no one else did, but uh, it was uh, Ryan Gosling's film, Lost River, um, which again, is a movie that I expect... Uh, I don't know what... I don't know. I I would expect you guys not to like it, but I don't know. Probably not, because there is no plot, but uh, there's just a lot of... There's just a lot of, like, imagery and sound, and uh, it definitely doesn't feel like... Something that, you know, you would expect from someone doing, uh, you know, their directorial debut, uh, it it has a very sort of del Toro flavor because it is a a fairy tale at the center of it. Why does it look
0: like it stole the cover from Only God Forgives? It
2: it has a very, yeah, it has a very, uh, Refn vibe for sure. Um, there's a lot of neon and, uh, the, it's a techno score, all electronic score all the way. And, uh, Christina Hendricks is the lead. Um, but, uh, there's a, I don't know how it's, how it's to describe it other than it's just a very dark fairy tale. And he shot it like all in Detroit and it looks like, a it looks like post apocalypse. Like I, like some of the places where he went is just really insane. Um, and, uh, it's all very, I don't know. It's a very striking movie that's for sure um and i know guillermo del toro championed it so it's kind of why i put them together but uh uh yeah i'm i really like lost river and uh i know a lot of people didn't but uh hey man it spoke to me so it was my inside out got to my inner 14 year old child because saoirse ronan was also you know one of the main characters in it and she's you know amazing i don't you know yeah she's always she's always good she's a home girl so anyway
1: chris did you see crimson
0: peak <laughs> i did see crimson peak i i'm mixed on it i there's aspects to it i enjoyed um there's some weird attempted payoff for stuff in the story that negates the purpose of other things. like it, the, i i think it's a little the narrative is a bit messy i love the atmosphere of it like it's yeah a lot of good stuff in it i couldn't say that i was particular like i'm not gonna revisit it ever
2: i mean i think <laughs> i think that was kind of the general consensus is that it looks great the plot's kind of you know blah but yeah. uh i mean i just, just let it wash over me man I, I mean i saw it twice i i thought it was better the second time I don't know.
1: Yeah, this was a shameful year for me where a lot of these movies that in any other year I would have caught for sure, I just didn't feel like I had the time to catch it. Um, But I am interested. I I heard it is like Del Toro going full Del Toro, (laughs) kind of like Tarantino and Inuritu both went full their own style this year. Um, and and we yeah, were, I,
0: I did have you committed to seeing it. We were going to review it, right? But yeah. something happened. It didn't no, I, work I almost
1: out. even saw it one night and then we kind of bailed from reviewing it. So I watched something else. Yeah, uh, I, I don't quite remember. But speaking of watching a movie twice, I did want to add Inside Out is the only movie that came out this year that I watched twice. So mm, nice that, you know, even if it didn't quite make my list, it definitely was one that I knew Without a doubt, anyone I took would come and like it with me. Um, My number two is a movie I can't believe I didn't see twice. And I'm sort of petrified that if I catch it on VOD a year from now, I'm going to think, what the hell was I thinking? Putting it this high. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Furious 7. Star Wars, the face (laughs) No, no, and I I hope not. And I, I truly believe I won't because this is a movie that was perfectly made for me, made for the the opposite part of me from The Overnighters, and that movie is Ex Machina, um, which I know Carson was a little underwhelmed by. I was blown away by how well this movie mixed the high and the low. It told a great story. It had these really compelling visuals. It just had a great soundtrack, a great atmosphere all to itself. It really sucks you into this very st- scant little play of only a few people, and I think it was just a mesmerizing movie um The things it talks about are the things I usually hate <laughs> a movie when they try to talk about it talks about a i the Turing test things that normally get a heavy handed treatment or get this kind of weird profundity thrown at them that just as a person who's kind of worked in the field, it always annoys me when people do that um this movie knew exactly when to back off, when to abstract, when to aim for the big picture, and yeah i I completely love this movie. Oscar Isaac was amazing, Elusi Vikander was amazing. Donald Gleason was just fine, but, but still <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> really good um I mean, his character doesn't get a chance to do all that much in this movie oh um, nah, yeah i I think this fits with most of the other movies I picked too, where it really is about like bending your perception of who is the good person and who is the bad person and how easily can they turn into each other um yeah i'm guessing we're gonna hear about this movie again really soon <laughs> <laughs> but anyway i i love this movie that's Ex Machina. <laughs> just just writing it down
0: i need to make sure i had this down here mm-hmm. um so i mean did you want to speak first carson
2: I mean, uh, you know, when we reviewed it, I'm, I'm still the same. Like, I, I liked it, but I just wasn't as uh, hot on it as everybody. I still think Beyond the Black Rainbow is uh, <laughs> the better of the two. So, sorry, I had to go, you know, this is Beyond the Black Rainbow, whatever. I, I still like that movie. But, I mean, come on, the, the cast was great. And uh, the effects on, the robot effects on Alicia Vikander was really good. Um, yeah. so, I mean, there's a lot to like in Ex Machina, but I just, for me, I was, like Steven said, I was slightly underwhelmed, especially since everyone was hyping it up so much.
0: That was, so that was your number two, right? Ex Machina? Yeah. All right. so to, to respond to my thoughts on Ex Machina, uh, we were, Steven and I were sitting in a movie theater and we were talking about making our lists and Steven was like, ah, oh, apparently I had still got a bunch of work to do to make my list i was like yeah i don't know how my this is gonna go i basically have my top two picked and then everything else i will figure out this weekend and steven looked at me and he's like he's like i i, I know what your top movie is I really, <laughs> he's all uh, he's all uh, i really something i'm, I'm paraphrasing ish but uh, he said he said i just have to decide whether you're an ex machina man or you're a mad max fury road man and with that, my number two film is Mad Max Fury Road.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Spoilers for number one.
0: <laughs> uh, you don't know. Furious 7 hasn't been uh, named. That's true. We Furious mm-hmm. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation I'm has been out. named. I'm
2: holding out for Furious uh, 7. Kingsman
0: colon The Secret Service has not been named I, yet. You... True Story hasn't been named yet.
2: <laughs> yeah, true story. I, I like how Chris did the colon on purpose. In yes. Kingsman. Yeah, because Whoosh. princesses like gold.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Um, But yes, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. I mean, I I don't think there's anybody who doesn't like this movie.
2: <laughs> no, I I'm think just... you're a crazy person if you don't. <laughs>
0: Mad Mac. so so I, I joked earlier about uh me having to justify my my non-like of the revenant when we get to the time where i talk about mad max fairy road and steven has made the argument that the revenant is basically mad max fairy road like they both exist the the things that make them good or bad are identical between the two and they're basically very similar um i'm doing a terrible job of paraphrasing his argument i I
1: would say his criticism of one applies equally well to the other
0: yeah that's probably a better more accurate way of your own opinion on the matter (laughs) um and i have to speak very slowly and purposefully to try to justify the difference of why i don't believe that but i think that without getting in too long a review about the revenant like Mad Max Fury Road is like a pure uh it, it's a film that is pure um insanity and it it ignores story yet builds the world perfectly like when i see a gang of people pull up alongside of a vehicle and use special weapons that were created for the sole purpose of disabling the engine of another vehicle and Watch them do aerial acrobatics in an attack method that's not like somebody's writing this. It feels like they've done this a million times. And I'm watching what feels like a 100% realized movie as if cameras were just placed on cars of people who are actually trying to kill each other. That is what Mad Max Fury Road is. The Revenant is a film where a filmmaker who's kind of up his own ass does incredible things that you shouldn't be able to do because you can't, and it's clearly like stitched together shots in trying to make these long takes. And all this stuff where it's like, I don't want to see a guy just suffering for a long time. I won't, like That is just oldie time, cold place where a person suffers. It's not a fully realized world that has been imagined to such a way that, like, like I think the lack of a story in Mad Max Fury Road is a strength. I think the lack of a story in The Revenant is just a weakness. Um, I don't know if I did a good job of why that's different, but that's how I feel.
2: Uh, I can see that, but uh, I, I still think the lack of story in The Revenant is totally fine, but obviously Fury Road is a much better movie. And uh, I, I like how tom hardy went from hot and cold uh <laughs> this year and um uh, yeah uh i mean there isn't much to say uh, else about mad max i mean at least yet <laughs> it is what it is you
1: know yeah i i don't know i am um, so spoiler this will not be my number one movie of the year no. um and oh, that isn't cool. to say i didn't like it i'm not a detractor i thought it was an awesome movie it was extremely well done i think if george miller wins for directing or for you know the movie wins for uh, set design or for any number of visual aesthetic choices i think it's going to be well deserved and very very cool um this was a movie for me that was a heavy contender i I would have named it as an honorable mention for the, like, intense movie category, except I didn't want to spoil that it wasn't higher on my list. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it was great. The only thing I'm missing is a problem with me, kind of like like how Carson says he wishes he could watch those kind of sappy, two-people-having-a-conversation movies and get something from it. I wish (sighs) I could watch... I wish I could watch the most awesome action movie and get more than an overwhelming time that I walk away from and don't think very much about after like for what it is, this movie is fantastic. It's the best that it could be. I did not feel the overwhelming life changing masterpiece part of it so much as like a, a great accomplishment for a director that perfectly realized his vision. And so props to him. I'm glad the movie is doing so well. It did not hit me quite in the way that it seems to hit everyone else. And, and maybe that's why I couldn't enjoy The Revenant,
0: because I only have room for one film that does that. Because you could apply all those statements of how you didn't feel about, or like... What you were saying about being able to see that aspect of Mad Max, but not feel that great for it. (laughs) Like, literally, you and I just flipped roles for those two films.
1: Yeah, and I I don't want to derail too much, but I do. I feel like people are trying to add on other things to the movie. Like, it's a feminist movie, or it has the best characters (laughs) ever. And, like, just stop. It's embarrassing. (laughs) The characters are not—it's very cool, very sparse. You don't need to pretend that these characters are the most amazingly complex characters in the world. Like, any, anyway, no, I mean, that's it's more about like their mashable culture yeah. than anything else.
2: I mean, they should just let it be too. You know, instead of yeah. calling attention to it. Anyway, so uh, number one, uh, first of all, I'll say that uh, this next movie is definitely going to be uh super pretentious sounding. Um, Wait, do you
0: actually have a single movie for your number 1?
2: Uh I yeah, I, I put two movies on here, but um <laughs> I do have a, a lone movie that I knew from the second it started that it would be my number 1 movie. Um but uh there was another movie I saw just a couple weeks ago on VOD. Um and it was kind of like a Victoria situation with Chris, although not as bad. Because that was bad. Um, where I I rented it off iTunes and then realized it was on Netflix. I was like, f***. So I can only imagine getting locked in a parking garage. That's like, that's like that times like a billion.
0: <laughs> your your six ninety nine that you spent to rent the movie yeah. is exactly the same as my ninety hundred dollars No,
2: but you see, I was just like, what? But anyway, it was so good, it didn't even matter. Um, so anyway, this is... Uh, I guess this is like the uh the White Tiger of this year, where it was uh another crazy ass Russian epic. Um and it's called Hard to Be a God. Definitely a bit the best title of twenty fifteen, probably, uh next to Bone Tomahawk. Um so Hard to be a God was a movie that this guy... Go- also the alternate title for spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um so this Russian filmmaker had this is like his passion project that he'd been wanting to make since like the 70s and he finally made it and he started filming in like 2000 and It took him like a decade to film it because like they would shoot like a little bit each year and it's just ridiculous how The the how this movie even came to be Um and he finally he actually died right before they finished it in 2013 and it was released in Russia in 14, and then it finally came to the US this year. Um, and I kind of saw it. I saw it on um, the AV Club had it. Ignati had it on his... Uh, he put it on their top 20. Um, and I was like... the When he described it, I was like, I gotta watch this movie. Because it's, like a, it's a three-hour black-and-white sci-fi epic uh, about a team of scientists who travel to a planet that's stuck in the middle ages and uh one of them becomes like the god there the savior and uh it's unlike anything i've ever seen in my life like i like just just describing it probably now it, i just sound like a tool but uh, uh <laughs> no, I, I think it actually sounds kind of cool right? I, I, yeah but <laughs> if i showed you like a five minute clip you'd be like what the f- is this <laughs> i mean no it like but it is because it's like it's I mean, I've seen a lot of movies, but this is unlike legitimately unlike anything I've ever seen. And like to just like to describe it, I, I don't know how they made this movie. Like it made it, it made the revenant look like Alvin and the Chipmunks. Like it made it look like some just disposable like uh you know, assembly line type of movie um because it had that same kind of feeling where like people are just in the muck and it's brutal and it's gross and I don't even know what was going on half the time and it's three hours long but it went by so quickly because I was just so fascinated by what was happening on screen and there's just all this like so there's just be scenes where people are like talking and they're just like super close up and it's like everything's in the foreground and there's people just walking by and like a guy like just throws a chicken into the frame and like it's just like all this chaos <laughs> for three f***ing hours and you're like how the f*** did this get made like how did this happen like i i don't like this guy put his life and soul into this movie and you can see like it should be like the most boring like mr Turnery movie ever but it's not because this guy just like could not i mean he ended his life making this movie it's crazy so hard to be a god is uh it's it's definitely next level it's unlike anything i've ever seen um, and I, that's why I had to put it as like the subset in the number one slot because there's nothing else like it. So, um, but like I said, the number one movie of 2015, uh, I was trying to downplay it, but it's f- Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> um, I'm sure you could have guessed that. Where was Mad Max on this list? Um, I don't know. But anyway, uh... I just knew from the second this movie op- or started that uh it was going to be I mean it's 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 the movie. Like I I completely disagree <laughs> with Steven. I think it is a masterpiece. I think it will stand up against the greatest action films of all time and I think it makes the other 3 Mad Max movies which are good except for Thunderdome. Um it just blows them out of the water. Like it took all of the It took everything you loved about The Road Warrior and just distilled it into one long two-hour chase movie. Uh, And it's, again, it's another movie that's ambitious as hell, and I don't know how it got made. Like, I don't know why Warner Brothers thought, like, yeah, people would be down to see Mad Max again, but I'm glad they did because... I didn't know I wanted to see another Mad Max, but I know the second I saw that trailer, I said, yes, please. That's what I've been waiting for. Um, And of course, Tom Hardy is great. Charlize Theron is great. And there's so much memorable imagery in this movie. I mean, George Miller created this genre. Like he, that's why all the post-apocalyptic movies had everyone in leather chains and shit for 20 years after. And now I feel like he just, came back and showed everybody how to do it again uh where everything's uh, like really bright and colorful and there's all this crazy stuff happening and um it's like the polar opposite of most movies of that type because it's all like very usually dark and dour and you know gray and stuff and this is like very like in your face like orange and yellow and i mean it's It's a movie that should be championed for everything (laughs) that's in it. Like, I mean, uh, obviously like all the, the action scenes, the practical action scenes and, uh, you know, they used a lot of CG in it to combine, uh, those crazy stunts and it's all seamless. Like, I, I don't know. I cried pretty hard during it because it was just—it's a movie that like I don't even <laughs> was want to, just so magical. It's just—it's just the the second it opened, I was just like I just I don't even want to watch it again because I don't want to ruin the the first experience that I had watching I, it because it I was ha- too good.
0: I haven't technically watched it again, but as soon as it was available on iTunes, I snagged it up, and I was like, I'm just I'm just gonna put it on in the middle and like, it was like super late and I'm like, that's right. It came out. So I snagged it and I put on just like scrubbed to like somewhere in the middle. I was like, I'm just going to watch like, you know, like five minutes of it. Like pretty soon it was like 45 minutes later. <laughs> and I like looked at the clock. I'm like, Oh shit. It's like almost two o'clock. Like I need to go to sleep.
1: I mean,
2: I'll, it was pretty awesome. I mean, I'll probably watch it again for sure. But I, I knew that, uh, I mean, I'll, I'm definitely going to buy it too. But uh, I mean, they they showed it at the New Beverly again and like I was going to go, but then I was just like, I I don't know. There was something about like I didn't want to like you you see a movie and it's so good. Like you want to just have that one experience be the memory of for that movie, you know, and um, I that was Mad Max Fury Road for me. Um, It just blew every other movie away for the last, like, <laughs> like ten years, probably, even more. Like, I just... It's the number one movie for, like, now and probably this year and next year. And, I mean, there's nothing else like it. Like, I, I, I feel like that it, it, it really showed people, like, this is how it's done, so you should stop making shitty action <laughs> movies. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like, look,
1: Carson kind of framed that all as... I disagree with Steven. It is a masterpiece. It is a this and that. I'm not even disagreeing with that. I I I will not say it isn't a masterpiece. It is the most one of the most complete visions I've seen this year. Oh yeah. It's the and, most masterpiece. And <laughs> it it is great that it has had this response. I, I just feel like there must be some other people like me who watched that and were overwhelmed by the spectacle like really blown away but then just kind of felt like they were not feeling quite what everyone else was feeling um yeah no it's great I hope he keeps making them it is definitely the best action movie I've seen this year I don't think I even came close to putting another one on the list so
2: I mean I wasn't framing it all against you but I just say that you know in that instance, I, I do think that it is, it deserves to be praised that highly, but I'm sure there's someone out there. I mean, there always is obviously like, I'm honestly surprised there isn't like more backlash now. Cause usually when something is so popular, like people turn on it, you know, after, it, after a while, Yeah, I'm,
1: I'm surprised. This is like the inception or dark night or something of the year. where just, everyone is on board for it. And yeah. like, Maybe I shouldn't have seen it at 10 a.m. <laughs> in the movie theater. <laughs> Maybe I should have given myself a more overwhelming experience. But I wish, I wish I could feel the extent of the joy that everybody else got from this movie.
0: It's okay. In two years, Stephen will be saying, uh, "I hated Mad Max: Fury Road before it was
2: cool." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when the backlash will kick in. <laughs> I wasn't ripping out like all you other bros, okay?
0: <laughs> and then the rest of us will spray paint our mouths with silver yeah. <laughs> and stab him with explosive spears. And <laughs> then
2: jump, it's like, swan dive off of a fucking, you know.
0: We'll turn Steven into a blood bag while we watch
1: <laughs> the next Mad Max movie. All right, Steven. Oh, man. I wish Carson had ended on Hard to Be a God because then I wouldn't feel so snobby. <laughs> for what i'm about to do um is it hard to be a god no 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 okay i heard pretty amazing things about that movie um no i am pulling what christopher schnazy pulled two years ago where he and i both watched a movie very shortly before writing the review and let it become our number one movie of the year Um, (laughs) i feel really good about this one actually i don't know how Chris will feel even though he watched it with me, but in a year of directors being their most distilled essence, every quirk, everything you could criticize about them, everything you could love about them, and in a year of movies that had just a completely distinct visual feel that no one else could do, uh, to me the one that wrapped that all up in a feeling and a story that I could get behind was Anomalisa <laughs> by Charlie Kaufman. Um, And I will be the first to grant that this movie has not sat with me as long as the other movies have. Um, I mean, Ex Machina was, what, March, April? So it, it's pretty unfathomable that that movie has stuck with me this long. But Anomalisa, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. I, I love Charlie Kaufman's aesthetic. I love his ability to take funny, awkward situations and make them feel real. And truthful. I think everything he does with this movie, the things he wants to say about the monotony of day-to-day life, uh, that feeling you get that certain people or certain things will save you, that certain people are new and exciting and special, and the way he kind of pays homage to that and makes you feel that, but then gets back to reality, I, I think this is one of the most ambitious movies of the year from a story perspective. And it also, it just goes some really crazy places. Um, I never would have thought the most realistic sex scene I've seen in years would come from a movie about puppets. Uh, <laughs> like how far from Team America, World Police, can you go <laughs> with that? Um, yeah, there. there isn't a whole lot to say I wrote about it a little bit already I'd like to write some more Um, I just think this is a Steven movie in like the purest sense this is a movie that has humor it has originality it has heart it has something to say about daily life it has a new kind of visual vocabulary kind of in the way that Inside Out maybe gave kids a way of relating to their emotions I think this does a great job of that for monotonous aging people and um, I think if you like Charlie Kaufman's other work especially if you like Synecdoche New York I think you're going to really like this one and yeah it, it blew me away
2: I left the movie off of any list specifically because I knew Stephen would probably pick this somewhere <laughs> on his top 10 and I I totally forgot until you said it, but I was like, uh, of course. I mean, I didn't know if you had seen it or not, but I mean, Anomalisa is a valid number one choice because it is a movie that, like I said, The Hateful Eight, I I said in the beginning, I said The Hateful Eight and there's another movie that defies the list and that's Anomalisa because I think Charlie Kaufman is unlike any other person. And um, I think that, it's not a movie that I'd want to rush out to revisit because it's very depressing. And I think that Charlie Kaufman has a lot of issues that he's working out. But I'm glad that he is because he has a, a mind unlike anybody else. And um, his vision for this movie is really just... I mean, he took the most basic, like, non-interesting story and made something extremely extremely unique and interesting about it um i think that i like synecdoche new york uh more only because there was a lot of just like he blended like the depressingness of this movie and like a lot of like wacky just wacky shit in there um but yeah uh, i love i loved how um tom noonan voiced all the other people um and how everyone is just bland and boring in his you know the main character's eyes um i talk about jennifer jason lee she got this and hateful eight so yeah one of the best years ever definitely yeah. <laughs> she was like whatever i divorced noah Bombach, but i got a tarantino movie and a charlie kaufman movie so <laughs> f- all y'all <laughs> she won out and uh, like i think you
1: you know when you think back on it the movie is it isn't uplifting necessarily it depends on how you feel about the definition of uplifting um charlie kaufman is definitely one of those people who he knows it i think it would complement the end of the tour extremely well because this is kind of a movie about that feeling you have when you just want to hold on to something new and like maybe people think so highly of you and people think you should be satisfied with everything you have but you are just seeking the most basic like fundamental human thing which is i want i want to hear another person like i want to see something that i don't just see all the time i want to feel something again and i think even if the arc of the movie doesn't let it pay off into a fantasy the way that maybe eternal sunshine did It also doesn't go the way of Synecdoche, New York, where it just like ends on a completely depressing sermon. And I love Synecdoche, New York. Don't get me wrong. Um, (laughs) I think this had enough of the lighthearted moments to say that um, even though maybe there aren't things that make people special, like maybe there isn't the silver bullet the little details in life, like the particular way your monotony or your loneliness looks and feels can be funny and invigorating and worth telling. And like that that's just like a perfect existential movie for me. Yeah,
0: so I completely left this film out of contention at all for my list for nothing more than the fact that I'm still unpacking it. It sort of falls into the uh the up in the air situation i don't know if people who are listening now heard our up and air review back then i remember <clears> reviewing that film and just being like i don't have words yet i'm still thinking about things about this this film and in a world where we got to see it early enough and had time to publish a review before we got to this standpoint i may have been able to talk through all the things about the film but uh i will say it's a fantastic film uh and people should go see it but i was not even going to attempt to rank it against anything in the list that I had already created, because I, it would it would have taken too much work. <laughs> so we, we did
1: go out and watch it two days ago. It was yeah. pretty recently. So basically, I took the
0: lazy way out, and uh, I said, "I'm not, I'm not considering it." I almost texted you, Stephen, too, and been like, "This is in contention, right?" <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't
1: even want to hear a response from you. Um, so yeah, there's that. <laughs> So I think Chris we can predict what your number 1 was. Fury 7. Uh, it, my my number 1 film
0: <laughs> of the year. I there was like four films I was jokingly going to name and right now I'm drawing a blank. I can't <laughs> I can't figure out any of them. Um but no um in Area 51. In the in the, <laughs> yeah, Area 51. In the award for Chris will choose his favorite movie based on a boy falling in love with an AI (laughs) 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 awards. No, but in all seriousness, Ex Machina is my favorite film of the year. Uh, When we, uh, this weekend when I wasn't watching Namalisa, I rewatched Ex Machina just to make sure that like, like Steven said that he had feared that he would watch it like a year later and then wouldn't be as, enthralled with it as he was back then. Um I liked it every bit as much um when I watched it uh maybe it was yesterday. I might have watched it yesterday. Anyways, I I I watched it again just to refresh myself on it, just to make sure that it was the work of art that I uh originally thought. And I, clearly I left it at number one. So it's still <laughs> it's still um I, I really, really, really love this movie. It's I think of all the films I saw this year, um, not counting it against Anomalisa. It's doing the most to think about, um, things. Like, it, it is bringing up ideas and concepts, um, that other films weren't even really trying to do. Um, this was my first experience watching Alicia Vikander, who is a frickin' amazing star. Um, I, and everybody in the film is great, but that was my first experience seeing her. Um, I just, everything about this film, I just really, really enjoyed, and it it's, it is a very crisp film, I think um and i I was a little bit less bothered by like the like brief moments as that characters try to talk uh science mumbo jumbo, and the second time watching it too, I think those scenes are even less stupid sounding because it's clear that the characters are not saying it to communicate information they're like like donald gleason when he's responding to the questions about like you know the turing test is right you can see him working out where that conversation is headed and it's less a like can you please explain something for the people who don't know what the turing test is and it's more like you know where i'm going with this and it's like a handing off of where the conversation is going um there is a visual thing that the director did right at the end of the film that I think is kind of a plot hole, um, but I think I, I can't just on, on on repeat viewing. Which I'll tell you guys off air because I don't want to spoil anything from that film. But there was one thing where I was like, "The," um, but uh, but in general, perfect perfect film minus that one little thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I mean, it was my number two was my number one until two days ago <laughs> <So>. whoa <laughs>
2: yeah no. damn you a novelty release oh charlie kaufman
1: no, nothing left to say for me it's a great pick
2: oh poop okay pretend like i just said my number one thing <laughs> mad max fury road and hard to be a god i called it hardy to be a god <laughs> thank you <laughs> I was very proud of myself for that one. Took me all of two seconds. <laughs> like... And I was gonna, and like I completely forgot to say it, but I thought about this weeks ago, weeks ago, and I was like, oh, this is gonna fucking kill.
1: And what about yeah. that movie Max with the <laughs> subtitle "Hard to Be a Dog"? <laughs> Hard to be a dog. Nice. God, that movie looks fucking
0: terrible too.
2: Max. Like, I saw that... Max. It was. It was. It was terrible
0: when i when i first saw the trailer for that movie i don't remember what i saw what movie i saw it before but the trailer made me want to walk out of the theater i was so mad i was angry that that was made into a movie
2: yeah it was it was it was definitely anger inducing i'm glad that dog almost got blown up
0: (laughs) (laughs) anyway i I say the wrong i say the wrong beast stepped on the landmine
2: whoa (laughs) we now know what chris's number one worst is (laughs) <laughs> worst of 2015
0: Dude, we do not have time for worse man. No, We're at 2 I,
2: hours I, and I 30 know. minutes. Right, yeah. But I will say a good movie about dogs that came out last year was a movie called White God. Oh, um, I want
1: to see that so bad.
2: Dang, that movie was See, I almost threw that in there just to just so Chris could, you know, have a reaction because it it seriously was like um Rise of the Apes but with real dogs. <laughs> they use real <laughs> dogs. Instead of, you know, fake apes. But, I mean, it had, like, the same...
0: How did, how did the real dog shoot the AK-47? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it had, like, a similar idea where, like, the, the animals rise up. Because that's what it's all about, the dog dogpocalypse. Um, but there's a lot of really good dog acting in it. Like, I was surprised. Like, uh, <laughs> I, like I'm, no joke, like, the one main dog in it, I was like, holy shit. Like, they could have put subtitles on him, and it would have been, like, completely acceptable. But, uh, so Leo better watch out because that dog he put in he put in a good performance but white god white god was really good i i was going to put it with like hard to be a god like the goddamn this is so good something stupid um but uh i don't know i couldn't fit it but white white god is a movie to watch too all right so
0: <laughs> so should we should we uh Put this dog down longer. we should
2: euthanize it, yeah. I'll
1: I'll squeeze in my little things that didn't make the cut like last year that still got awards. Uh the vintage Steven Award for like a standard indie type movie that normally I would have loved, that this year just didn't quite make the cut. Uh the runner-up would have been me and Earl and the Dying Girl, though I think I love that much more in theaters than I did any moment afterwards. Um, the winner was Room, and that's mostly for Brie Larson's performance. I just think she's so good. Um, yeah,
2: that's the only good thing about that movie.
1: Yeah. Uh, the Annie Hall Award, which is just for, like, a pleasant talkie flick that doesn't do much but is very entertaining to watch. Uh, this should be renamed the Noah World <laughs> Award because the runner-up was Mistress America and the winner was While We're Young. Uh, both just super entertaining, pleasant, fun, screwball-type movies that... Of all the movies on this list, these I could rent with the most confidence that I would still have a great time the second time around. Um, And the Tree of Life Award for movies that I respected more than I liked. This time I need to say respected even more than I liked because I quite liked both of these. Uh, The Hateful Eight is one of those. I had problems with it, but I really... I do enjoy that people like Tarantino exist and have that kind of vision. And the one that I liked very, very much, but apparently not as much as anyone else was Mad Max. So I had to throw that in there. Um, I'm very glad that movies like this are made, even if I am not the target demo.
2: Yeah, I'm actually really shocked that that no one put room that I thought for sure. One of you guys would have room on, it, on your list. It was
0: it was on an index card that was floating near my pile. And then I realized that like, there were other things that I really, like I wouldn't, it,
1: there's other things that I wanted to care about more.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. the
1: performance was extremely strong. I don't think the movie came that close for me.
2: No, especially since that was the guy who also did, frank and i thought that i don't know i was just expecting room to be a lot more unique than it was
1: oh so that should be my lenny Sin award because i gave it to frank last year
2: <laughs> yeah
0: um yeah and basically for the record guys i used i used furious 7 um kingsman the secret service and uh mission impossible rogue nation whatever the newest one was The three of those I just used to cancel each other out because as much as I wanted to name at least one of those somewhere, it was sort of like, why would I pick any of them over the other? (laughs) I just was like, you guys all have to go away because you're all you all fit in that. Like, oh, my
2: God, that was freaking awesome. I love that movie
0: in a silly way.
2: Yeah, I had the same reaction to all those. They were basically all the same. Yeah, super fun movies.
0: I really wanted to put Aloha on there, too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just kidding.
2: For the the baffling award next to Predestination. (laughs) Yeah, dude, Predestination is awesome and people should watch it.
0: (laughs) Steve Jobs, too, guys. It's good.
2: Yeah, I love Steve Jobs. I don't know. Some people didn't like it, but...
0: I love Steve Jobs also. And the movie was all right, too. (laughs) Uh...
1: Ah... (laughs) probably my most egregious blind spot not that i think it would have made a list but like i kind of can't believe i didn't watch that movie
2: (laughs) yeah i'm surprised i i don't know i related to seth rogan a lot as steve wozniak in that movie because his you know entire job in the film was just like acknowledge the apple II team brother and i feel like that's just me you know like acknowledge roger deakins (laughs) please (laughs) But, how could you when Josh Gad gave the definitive philosophy <laughs> yeah,
0: actually, the more more accurate version would be you saying, "Acknowledge film, and I'm like, yeah. "No, digital's the future, that's where everything's going. I will not acknowledge film. acknowledge the, the dogs,
2: guys, not the apes, okay, not the fake apes.
0: Nothing about the revenant would be possible with film,
2: <laughs> yeah, I know i I really like Steve Jobs.
0: do you know why I killed the Newton? <laughs>
2: Uh yeah, that's why I said uh Fassy was uh he was uh 3 for 3 this year in my opinion. All right. Well, should we head out guys? Yeah.
1: I think so.
0: <laughs> Thank you both for joining me on this super long extravaganza. We may have actually finished our longest episode.
2: I uh, wow. I don't I don't know what the longest runtime is. Well,
0: we're almost we're longer than the Revenant right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy i think we've actually we're about to pass uh the roadshow version of the hateful eight
2: (laughs) well i think we still got about uh 20 minutes or 30 minutes for that we didn't take the intermission
0: overture at the beginning oh
2: yeah of course of course and a 12 minute intermission hey
0: everybody this is christopher um that was a long episode wasn't it uh well, it was so long, in fact, that we didn't exactly close out the episode the way that we normally do, so I am here to finish that episode out for us. So we own the exclusive rights to Carson Patrick, so you can't find him on the internet if you're trying to find him. But if you want to find Stephen Miller, you can find him at sdavidmiller.com or twitter.com slash sdavidmiller. If you want to find me, you can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at the warning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoiler warning or facebook.com slash warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at com. You can use the contact form on our site, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Um... Yeah, we will be back soon with a review of 13 Hours, so see you then. Bye.